our show. We're in, now we're recording. This is the Boy Howdy podcast for the uh, year ending December 30th, 2011. Woo! Woo! I'm Bill Mudrin. This is not Annie. How do you know I'm not Annie? They can't see me. I could be Annie. That's true. This is Dylan McConus. Famed <laughs> webcomic artist and cartoonist. And what else do you do? Uh, Famed minestrone soup maker. Yeah, I made a great minestrone soup this past week. Yeah. It was rustic. What what makes it rustic as opposed to anything else? I don't know. Well. All I know is it was good. Did it come, like, in a little olive garden bowl? No. No, I made it in a giant vat. (laughs) So now I have minestrone soup for 2012. So, yeah, how was your Christmas? It was very nice, thank you. This this is going to loop around. That's why I bring it up. So what did you do for Christmas? Uh, All my, my... Wife's entire family yeah. came into town. Man, this is... Okay, so you know this is a real Boy Howdy podcast because someone's talking... It's a lesbian talking about her wife yeah. on the podcast. Like I said, look, Robin Hood. Uh, <laughs> what else can I talk about? Uh, Mass Effect. I love Mass Effect. Mass Effect is best. Oh, that's right. What, uh, I dress my cats in whimsical <laughs> seasonal t-shirts. Dylan, what I do you... I spent all of December in a Santa hat. See, it's like Annie's here. <laughs> Dylan, what do you think of Ocean Strategy? Marketing oh, stuff. Did you jerks. hear about this about this guy? Yes, I did. In fact, read the entire controversy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so yeah, you're officially now a gamer who hates everything with the, no reason. That's right. Yeah. No, uh, none of your listeners listeners will notice the difference. Oh, Aristotle's so. Annie Maloney, right? But here. yeah. So what'd you get for Christmas? What did I get for Christmas? I got a pair of tights. Yeah. I got a tiny thermos because I can't... Oh, is that what you got that for Christmas? I can't actually drink more than eight ounces of coffee in a go. Dylan's tiny thermos is actually a... It's a cup. It's an insulated cup. It's it's, it's, tiny, tiny. It's really just like a Starbucks cup that's insulated. That's actually really cool. Like I said, that makes me wish I drank coffee because coffee smells good. It tastes nasty. (laughs) Supposedly it leaches all the calcium out of your bones. Yeah, it's terrible for you. Yeah, but coffee's... Oh, man. I should pay you, because you walk past my house every morning to go to the coffee shop. I should True. pay you to, like, come in and just let me smell your coffee, and then you could leave. That sounds It's weird. pretty early in the morning for you, Bill. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What time are you usually <laughs> up and about? Uh, I'm generally outside your house by about, oh, 7.30 in the morning. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, let me in! <laughs> let me in! What are you doing there, Bill? Yeah, I could just come around the side, bang on your basement window. Oh, you also got a Star Trek book. I got a sweet book about Star Trek from Bill Mudrin. So yeah, for everyone for uh, in Portland, I got I got them for Christmas. I got them a Star Trek Vault book. It's actually did you actually read it? It's not that well written. Oh, it's, it's very cheesily it's written. It's fanishly written. Yeah, there's this book called the Star Trek Vault, which is just it's like a hundred page just overview about the history of Star Trek. It talks about each like movie and series and everything like that. But it's one of those books with that comes with like little uh, like pop up things. Yeah, it's and, got like, reproductions of, of Star Trek products. Yeah, of yours. it's like yeah, there's like an original series like comic book reproduction that uh-huh. you can kind of flip through and stuff like that. It's, it's very cute. No, yeah, it's very sweet. Well, I didn't want to go uh, do Christmas without giving people stuff. And it was one of those things everyone I know is couples, and I figured that was a cute couples gift, because everyone I know is into Star Trek. We all have coffee tables. Yeah, exactly. It all works out that way. Although, I might get an exacto and slice out all the pages about Enterprise, yeah. and, and use them to start fires. It's bad. Although, there is a section about the animated series. And the animated series is good. We can, and you know what? This is supposed to be our Doctor Who podcast. We're, We're just going to talk about Star Trek, aren't we? Oh, Picard. Yeah, no, it comes with a... <laughs> oh, Picard. It comes with a Picard skull cap you could read, and a beard, so you could be uh, a Picard Riker oh, while you're reading the book. It's fantastic. <laughs> Rikard. 
Wow, now we're devolving into a Star Trek, uh, to a next-gen season 8 book, Twitter post. The book should have come with Picard Day banners and shit like that. There's, a, yeah, do you, Have you seen the episode well, in Star Trek yes. Next Generation where they have Picard Day? I'm like, oh, well, my answer to the question, have you seen that Star Trek I'm episode, sure. is yes. But, like, the kid makes, like, a cardboard cutout, Captain Picard, Picard's yes. holding it. It's so fucking hilarious. That should have been included in the book. It's a good book. It's cute. The yeah. fact that he, he hates or is very uncomfortable with children is one of my favorite quirks about Captain Picard. I wonder if that's, like, the same episode he gets locked in the turbo lift with kids. Because that seems like the opening setup for that episode would be that. Yeah, he's very unnerved by people who have childlike enthusiasm. He can't Man. handle Loxana Troy. Either. Did you know that the chick who plays young Ensign Rowe in the episode where they all get turned into kids was the chick who played Small Wonder. Then again, you're ten years younger than me, so you may not even know what the hell Small Wonder is. Bill is eliciting a blank stare. Honestly. Anyway, so that... So yeah, what else for Christmas? What else for Christmas? Anything uh, you did I or got, got? I got some exciting knitting accessories from my mom. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like needles? Yeah. Mmm. Erotic. <laughs> She got me a lot of cool little trinkety knitting stuff. I, I learned how to knit this year, and my mom's a huge, like, professional-grade knitter, so she's really excited. Oh, right. Kip got us CDs. Kip, she did. Our friend Kip bought us CDs from the World Music Place that is shutting down right around the corner from where we live. Yeah. Which, I got that a, was very cool. I got a Kip. sweet CD of Klezmer Revolution. Which, I got African tribal shit. Yeah, Klezmer okay. stuff? Yeah, no, well, it's it's uh, Nuevo Klezmer, so it's all <laughs> punk rock. And there's, really? there's a track from a oh, Klezmer band called... Oi Revolution. Wow. Or Oi Division, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Play on Joy Division, very yeah, clever. I love that. That's like the perfect Portland Christmas gift right yeah, there. Yeah, I was very charmed. But uh, yeah, though, yeah, I spent uh, Christmas Eve watching It's a Wonderful Life while eating turkey uh, by uh, Fireplace. That was awesome. Aww. And then the next day after Christmas Eve, I made a giant vat of turkey soup from the same, uh, the, 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 the homemade noodle recipe I got was from the same website, SiriusEats.com, that you got your minist- rustic minestrone uh, soup recipe from. Yeah. And it's great because, like, it's a replication of my dad's turkey noodle soup recipe with big fat cake-like noodles, and he would make this every day after Christmas. He still does. It's not like he's dead or anything like that. But he's just I haven't Missouri, had it since, yeah. yeah, I haven't had it since the last time we had Christmas together, like 10 years ago, and it was so good. I just finished it last oh. night. It was it was almost like at risk of going bad, but I was still eating. I was like Homer Simpson is a giant. Hobie. You were willing to take that risk, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, for also for Christmas, uh, one of our listeners, Sean Baca, uh, this guy named Sean who in Australia, he sent me. Did I tell you about this? A giant uh, book about Mooka showed up out of the blue. Wow! Out of the blue, he just sent me a Mooka book, and it's like the best Mooka book out there. I is that the I... one you fell asleep reading? The yeah. Other no, I, I Aww, fell asleep. That's adorable. Yeah, the book like with, I hit myself in the face and I still stayed asleep. <laughs> the book is good. I was just tired. It's a big, heavy book, too. It's a, it's amazing. You I, I meant to show it to you before I started podcasting. It's really good. It also has a lot, all of his reference photos he took of naked ladies back yeah. in the day. So you get to beat off to, like, like hairy-pitted Slavic is women from, like, 1902. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I, I really, think that's what he did. I enjoy that kind of book um, because it shows how artists use reference. Yeah. And so often, if you're an art student... Or, you know, you're, you're just interested in creating art in general. You can look at the work of a master and just, you assume they invent it from their brain. Yeah, no. And they understand and know everything. There's a lot of just, tracing and shit going on. Not tracing, but... No, but direct referencing. Like, I, I love looking, um, 
at Norman Rockwell's stuff, there's some really good books of his stuff where he used a lot, very extensive photo reference, yeah. and he would really transform the images to be what he needed them to he be. He would kind of caricature everything, though. He had a very kind yeah. of caricatured reality where everything was just tweaked enough where, yeah. No, you, could, you look at the original photograph, and, you know, the scenario is all there, but it's fairly stiff and lifeless. And then you look at his delightful illustration of fundamentally the same visual elements but it's just it's, it's one of those things where it's almost impossible to replicate because all of that took to, to, yeah that that's the weird gap between reality and whatever in his mind created the art that yeah yeah, yeah that you you could not replicate just by tracing that stuff around. I'm, I'm always fascinated to see how artists use or don't use reference yeah and what they transform in the process so that, that's the cool thing about 19th century and early 20th century artists is that you know, you can actually see the preservation of the reference they were using because yeah. of the photographic evidence. It's not just sketches that they took from reference. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yes. I agree. Art <laughs> history. People come running for the great taste of art history on our podcast. No, it's good. We need to be classy. We can't all be just complaining about Mass Effect DLC being terrible. I read a delightful article about the work of Velasquez in this week's <laughs> New Yorker. How was the New Yorker? Did you see that, that cover they painted last week on an iPad? Oh. Or... I do wish that they would stop having iPad and iPhone drawn covers. Oh, they keep like, on doing that? Because I know they did that they once. They haven't done it in a little while, but I, it just annoys me because while the... You're like, wow, that sure is good for something that was drawn on an iPhone. Have they done a cover yet that's just like a screenshot from like an, a Mario game on a 3DS or anything yet? No. Oh, shit. Oh, man, it's great. Um, So the 3DS just came out, you know, Nintendo's little new 3D handheld. They just came out with this new thing called Swapnote, which is this uh, messaging service that you could make doodles and send them to people on your friends list. And one of the things is you can take screen caps from Nintendo games and send that as attachment and then draw in 3D on top of the screenshots. What? And so... I had this screenshot from Super Mario Brothers of Bowser pointing at something and all of his little Goomba troops and sh uh, shit, like, chasing something off screen. And so I drew on top of that in 3D his finger going into Mario's butt. And with this crowd in 3D in this, front of it. I knew this was going somewhere awful. <laughs> it was great. And then I just spanned my entire 3DS friends list. But the best thing, it lets you draw in 3D because it lets you draw in separate planes of 3D. Oh, That's Jesus. kind of a cool experience. I should let you play with that before you leave. Okay. But yeah, I just made this horrible uh, proctology joke. With that's it. that's what you do, Bill. Here's this exciting new technology. <laughs> Let's draw a lizard man How putting his finger in a plumber's butt for poop. Humor. Yeah. So what else? Yeah. What else happened to you this week? Okay, uh, we did not actually properly introduce you. Dylan McConus is, uh, yeah, cartoonist. Uh, what's your website? DylanMcConus.com. Shocker. I know. <laughs> M e c o n i s. Well, the website for your web cartoon, web comic, Family Man is LutherLevy.com. Yes, you can just search for Family Man um, comic. Though, tell though. us what your your web comic is about. Jesus. Tell me, because Annie's not here. I really have to. Yeah, why not? It's interesting. You guys talked about Family Man in a in a past podcast about good? comics that you liked. Oh, did we say? Did we tell people what it was? I don't know. Because Family Man doesn't tell you, you what guys it's about. Started Family Man. You guys started talking about Skyrim, so I kind of tuned out. <laughs> uh, tell us what Family Man's about, though. Oh, it, it is 18th century historical fiction set at a mysterious university in the edge of nowhere, starring a failed grad student. And this is his last-ditch attempt at getting a job in the industry, and he ends up becoming entangled with the family that runs the school. Yeah. And my usual kick line to this is... 
And there might be werewolves eventually. And this is actually the page where uh, things happen. Yeah, yeah, you're starting to... Only took me 235 pages to get to the second half of the story. uh, Ariana, who is the protagonist, kind of pseudo-girlfriend, has just shot a wolf in the head and has just dragged its carcass back to this kind of wolf den hole in the ground. Yeah. That that is the last page. Family Man is pretty fucking awesome, though. It's really beautifully well drawn. Uh, It's... 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 The comic has been going for a long time. It's two years, so there's a lot of content to go through, but it all hangs together very nicely once you've read it. Even Dylan it seems to be a little tired of doing the comic right now. Not tired of doing the comic, but you seem a little bit like, oh my god, what did I get myself into? Yeah. But it's hanging together very nicely. I'm reminded of something that uh, Justin Pierce, who's the creator of Wonderella, one of the most underappreciated and quietly brilliant comics on the internet. I've always heard of it. I've never read it. It's... You are the entire internet in, in saying that, Bill. It's wonderful. Go to nonadventures.com or search for Wonderella. It yeah. is an absolutely delightful, deeply snarky strip. If you like Kate Beaton's take on Wonder Woman Who Doesn't Give a Shit, Justin Pierce was kind of... <laughs> oh, that's the one! Justin okay, Pierce seen... was the first to that gag, because Wonderella is just this totally disillusioned... Annie showed me excerpts. Yeah, she's yeah. a hard-drinking superheroine who does not give a shit about anything, and that's the, that's the gag. But... He uh, he originally did um, this strip on I think the Modern Tales websites oh God, that was yeah. Kilroy and Tina. Oh, he and did it that? was yeah, it was going to be this giant com- I... comedic epic spanning thing, and Kilroy and Tina was going to be this epic tale with a very complex plot. And after, I think, maybe a year and a half of working on this, he sort of realized that it wasn't working out. Yeah. And that he had taken on more than he actually knew how to manage yet, because this is one of his first comics projects. So he quit that that whole comic and started doing the non-adventures of Wonderella, which is much more one-off, gaggy... I was about to say, yeah. yeah. It's like a three-panel strip? It's like a one-page... Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so it, it's it's fairly big and it's full color, but it's still not like it's not something that has a big through pot, plot line. It's not a book. It's just a series of strips. And he said, from that experience, I learned that sometimes half an ass is exactly enough ass. Yeah. Uh, and I, I am not half-assing it, which was perhaps... No, Family Man, you're, you're turning your whole heart and soul into Family Man. I remember talking on the phone to Scott McCloud, who's the creator of Understanding Comics and Reinventing Comics and Making Comics. He's sort of the, the English-language comics guru and cheerleader for everybody who's in the comics community. Yeah. Uh, and I remember talking to him and telling him I was thinking of doing Family Man, of starting this comic. He's like, well... How long are you thinking it'll be? I said, I don't know, 150 pages. It won't. It, it'll take me like a year and a half. It'll be fine. I remember when you were telling me that you were. Th- yeah, I remember you were telling everyone that same pitch. And yeah. he's like, Well, good. Which that's what you want to be. It's, it's not like it's you're not lying. Too involved. Go ahead and do it. But you know, you're young. You should really sow your wild oats, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I did not listen to him. Yeah. So now I have been doing this giant master work for like five years, a page a week. Yeah. How many pages is it up to now? 235. Which actually reads really quickly, because it's not, it's, it's kind of... Oh, it's made of comics. Like, yeah. that's, that is one of the great uh, grievances of working in comics, is that you can spend 10 years of your life 
and people can read it in 45 minutes. Yeah, this five years of comics that you've produced, you can read in about 45 minutes. Yeah. And it's really, yeah, it's all on LutherLifey.com. It's, uh, this is actually a good time to jump into it because uh, the story is about to take a huge turn. Yeah. It's about to. Crazy uh, up until now, it's been about uh, this guy named Luther hanging out in this, yeah, German college. It's all been kind of very intellectual. Yeah. Well, not very intellectual, but it's been very kind of like a thing. It's about to some. It's it's very quickly going to become a very not intellectual very soon. Where like there's going to be a lot of crazy shit happening. To be fair, there has been boning in the comments. No, there's already. been boning. I'm not saying yeah. it's all been a frou frou. Blah, 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 no, but up to now, but, up to now, it's been an exercise of making the characters all be suspiciously happy, and now yeah. I get to ruin. It's everything. been a creepy A and E BBC special up until now. <laughs> now it's got. Now it's about to turn into fucking uh, Cloverfield. I'm about to blow my effects budget. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this this yeah. this is where it starts turning into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I like, actually think everybody. This is my wife, Katie. Yeah. Hi. Oh, speaking of which, uh, Katie, uh, she lives under my bed. It's true. Yeah. It's really we, we, we let her out every once in a while. It's why it's, it's a, an interesting living situation. This is why Dylan she she walks, lives off the pizza crust. Mm. Well, Dylan, I come and visit. She her. walks past the house every morning. To kind of hopefully maybe see uh, a glimpse of Katie through the window. Yeah, it's very sad. It's very sad. I leave a little dish of, of kibble for This her. is a very Rumpelstiltskin relationship you have with me. It's kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, anyway. No, I mean, with that introduction. Katie did I'm, show up. There was a quick break and now we're all eating pizza together. Yeah, so Katie Lane, everybody. I was, what I was going to say is I actually think this is the point in the comic where all the intellectualism is challenged with real life. Yeah, exactly. Like, you yeah. have all these great ideas, and yada yada, we get to sit around and talk about things, and it's, it's you know, the life of the academic. But we're getting to the point where Luther gets to stare that see what it looks like in real life. Yeah. And figure out See what, what happens he when you try to actually apply philosophic yeah. principles yeah, to like, daily what, what life. Happens, yeah. What happens when you get outside the walls of the school, and you still have these very passionate beliefs that yeah. are um, well-grounded in a lot of things, but now they're up you're, dan- you're dancing around the spoilers here. I'm very impressed. Yeah, Katie and Bill know more about this dance story than anybody That's why I don't want to talk about it because I don't know what I'm going to spoil like something like Ariana is a Dracula or something. You know how you know how you Bill, have... No! <laughs> you know how you have that friend who always comes over to your house and has been like dating the same person long distance for like the last five years and there's always a new piece of drama or a new, oh, I don't know if it's going to work out and you just sort of nurse them along for yeah. like half a decade... That's a substitute family man for a long-distance relationship, and you have what I subject Bill and Katie to. Yeah, it's good, it's good, though. It's it's I. But it's a fun story. Yeah. I mean, I, thanks. I don't think either one of us would have been paying attention for as long as we. You're have just embarrassed if be, it weren't a great. Story. Yeah, you're just embarrassed because you thought this is something you could do in a year and a half. Now it's taken five years, and I'll probably take at least another year or two more. Well, yeah, it's, but it's, it's a much better good, book though. than it would have been if I'd finished it a year and a half in two thousand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that is Dylan McConus. That that is what. Ooh. That's her primary thing right now. She's uh, did a great uh, Fox related comic outfoxed over the summer. Fox related sounds like a lot of furries. It's a trickster little twenty four page comic she knocked out over the summer. She took a little break from Family Man to do that. Was very cool. That's just on your website. Yeah. Is it all, is it all online? DylanMcConus dot com slash oh, yeah. outfox. Dylan does a lot of crazy uh, mythological trickster transformation y kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, no, Dylan's good stuff. Katie's web comic is. Um, working for the electric company. Dot- my feet. <laughs> Katie, Katie, Katie's, Katie's an actual normal human being. Some of you. Um, she's not damaged and retarded like, uh. That's not true, I am. But, um, <laughs> I just don't draw. <laughs> 
some of you may know Katie from the freelancer roundtable that we've been doing for the last several years, and that Bill's always true. a part of. Yeah, Dylan, I am always the disembodied voice. Yeah, Dylan. I still am. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 Katie, me, Dylan, and Erica, who has also been on the podcast. We'll probably be on the podcast next week when we do Pinocchio. Um, Katie, if you love Pinocchio, Pinocchio you could be on the podcast too. I like and Disney. Cricket. These movies are like. fucking terrible. Uh, anyway. Like I said, I'm on board with the Disney episodes as soon as you get to like Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, you're. Yeah, if you want to. Yeah, I, I can't blame anyone for wanting to bail on these. And then you'll hear anyway. me being like, "Did you know the Island Earl, the background artist, had sponged <laughs> all of the pages?" Of the and Pinocchio. At least I'm afraid when we get the Dumbo because there's nothing to say about Dumbo. Pinocchio, at least other you than go, uh, uncomfortable minstrelsy scene. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's one I'm kind of frightened of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how was your Christmas, Katie? I'm granted your Christmas with Dylan's, but like. Yeah, they're pretty darn great. Yeah. I got to see my folks. Yeah, there are folks here. Dylan and Katie usually spend Christmas out of town, but this is the one year they got to spend it in Portland, but then Katie's folks came to visit her. Mm-hmm. This is so. thrilling information for all of our listeners. I know, okay. Well, I'm trying to make it so I'm not just screaming about Skyrim and, and Legend of Zelda the whole time. But you can. Cool. It's, that's the point of the podcast, It's right? just I'm going to check my text messages. Okay, so here's my list. Okay, here's my checklist from last week. Uh, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword uh, is boring. It gets better. There's not much to talk about. I'll talk about it later with Annie next week. It gets better. Uh, the Joystick Podcast <laughs> lost half of its staff. Not the po- uh, podcast, but the whole website. That's not a big deal oh, if you don't read Joystick. Uh, I, it sounds like they're going off to join TheVerge.com, which is uh, an up-and-coming tech website, which actually sounds like it could use some really good the staff. Pe- the people who left are going to join? Yeah, going, it's just half these people. Who, Musical chairs. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not that important. Uh, the big thing I want to sure talk about... I'm sure that's how they feel about it, too. <laughs> It's all fucking game journalism bullshit. Uh, the, the, uh, there's a new Adventure Time comic coming from Boom Studios starring starring Lucy Nisley, Emily Carroll, Scott Campbell, and... Uh, I think yeah. the more appropriate phrase would be featuring stories illustrated. I think starring is appropriate. Let's say starring. Starring, I You know, say. we were talking before the podcast about how it's nice that this is happening and that it's reminiscent of what um, Nickelodeon Magazine used to do when it was, the comic section was edited by Dave Roman, who I, is, who's yeah, a cartoonist exactly. himself, and so he would invite all of these wonderful comics artists to do comics for this kids' magazine. Uh, I just gave Dylan a thumb drive that contains uh, a link to it's iTunes where he could legally appropriate copies of Adventure Time, if you guys want to see what this is. Sweet. In advance of this comic coming out. Um, Adventure Time is not on DVD, which kind of sucks, which makes it really hard to watch uh, in, unless you uh, have cable. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's new Adventure unless Time comic. Pay for it. Um, I was just gonna. The only thing I was gonna mention is Dylan is selling original artwork and stuff. Uh, uh, she's trying to draw up some cash right now. Do you? You just have an Etsy site? If you just look up what Demaconis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just go to my website. You'll find it there. Selling original artwork. She's doing these great commissions where it's. Uh, she will draw. And paint little tiny uh, custom watercolor paintings for people. Yes, and she's gotten some crazy requests so far. Are you still selling more? Or are you you kind of full up right now? Uh, I'm I'm reaching my limits. You're getting of, there of what I can accomplish. But you've already gotten like Doctor Who requests and stuff like that. Yeah, I got uh, Doctor Who as a guinea pig. Uh, my phone is going oh, on. Da, 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 so this is the best podcast ever. Awesome. Who's calling you? Uh, that would be the printer saying that I have a print ready to. Oh, we should have them on here because that printer is my printer. Yeah. If anyone's ever ordered a Doctor Who or Legend of Zelda or anything off of me, that's the printer who who, who made that stuff. Same they are good people. Yeah, yes. What are you printing people. out? Uh, something I drew a long time ago that somebody really liked. That's not fun. So yeah, no, my fans are coming out of the woodwork and sending me money. It's really sweet. Yeah. So one of the things I'm doing is making these teeny tiny, like two and a half by three and a half inch 
uh, little paintings. And yeah, somebody asked for Doctor Who as a guinea pig. Yeah. So that was pretty entertaining. But not sexy guinea pig, right? No, no. But the the requests have been all been very varied and really fun to draw. So yeah. I'm I'm very delighted. Yeah. So you, yeah, if you want to uh, buy something off of Dylan or uh, make a request for a little painting, go to DylanMcConus.com and there's a link to your Etsy shop. And I'm that's delightful. Right there. Yeah. Delightful McConus. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, I have a bunch of original comics pages, and I don't like selling original art. It makes me sad. It feels like selling kittens. I was really surprised to see the ones that you were selling, too. Yeah, your yeah. original art There's process is kind of weird there. anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it, but it's kind of f- No, I up. draw on actual paper. Yeah. <laughs> Typing paper. Unlike Bill, who draws entirely on the air. Yeah! Well, that's because I bought a Cintiq! Fuck paper. <laughs> I, I have no original art. To, it's funny because, like, well, Jasper Ford, we Dylan and I, we do we illustrate books for Jasper Ford, and I feel bad when he asks Lovely us British for the originals author, yeah. to hang up in his office. Like, and I'm like, um, I could send you the digital file we created on. You just translate it to binary. Yeah, you just exactly. print it out for you, him. Yeah, you need to create one for him. Yeah, be nice to them. Oh, that's how we He's just sad, living over there in Wales. Yeah, he's so weird. Beautiful wife and his lovely and his wife is a midget, and his children—they're actually small dogs. They pretend they're children. (laughs) That's before home life is kind of weird. (laughs) One of the nicest. The three of us have been to his house. It's been—I have not been to his house. No, really? No. No. Apparently, his kids love my first book, Bite Me. That's <laughs> which I was silly. Which I was really charmed by. He's like, I, that's really he's like I don't really read comic books, but I do notice that that book of yours is never in the same place it was to you know the day before. Yeah, so. just for context, Jasper Ford is a great uh, author. He is Welsh. He has written stuff that's very. How do you even describe it? Uh, if Douglas Adams had studied a lot of Jane Eyre. Yeah, he's, he, his, his big series is the Thursday Next series, which is about this cop who, uh, patrols the world of... Lady Cop. Hot, badass, uh, middle-aged lady cop. Yeah. Everything I love. And he... (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so she patrols the world of fiction, and so she's just running around all these fictional characters like Hamlet and... All these other characters like going out, and, and you don't even have you don't like even that. have to be a literary nerd to enjoy the humor. Yeah, no, his, they're just they're just good rollicking adventure his stories. First book is all about like the world of Jane Eyre getting fucked up, and I've never read Jane Eyre, and that was a hilarious book. And yeah, I, 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 he does good where like if anything plot wise needs to be explained, he'll explain to you in a really obvious kind of fun way. Yeah, and whatever doesn't need to be explained to you, just as fuck it, we'll just have a good time. If you like Kate Beaton, if you like British humor, like Terry yeah. Pratchett, Jasper and Douglas Ford. Adams, Jasper Ford, Ford spelled with two F's, and an O-R-D. E. Ford. Yeah. And he is immensely popular as a writer. He has a lot of bestsellers. Yeah, so we so illustrate I'm not sure books. why we're giving him promotion. Because I'm just saying, well, because he's well, a way bigger deal po- than we are. The more popular he is, the more money we get when we do... Yeah, we're, this we're, is true. Yeah. But no, we actually got a gig being sort of his unofficial official illustrators because we gave him fan art at a book signing. Yeah, he came to sign at Pals here in Portland and we gave him a piece of fan art and then like six months we, later he yeah, sent we, us an email. Yeah, we confused and frightened him with our love. Yeah! And we put our email addresses on the back. He's a super sweetheart. Every time we get a chance to work with him, he's I like that. And he yeah. took us out for drinks last time and I only scared him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We t- <laughs> I, I'm always worried that we're frightening him <laughs> by being enthusiastic. <laughs> So, okay, anyway, that's that's been our lives. Uh, we're going to take a break now, and we'll be back in a couple minutes. We're going to be talking about Doctor Who.
Doctor Who. Originally, what it was going to be us and Patrick, but Patrick had to bail. Patrick He's, Farley, who's a web comics legend. Yeah, he lives right across the street from me with Jen and Kip. He is a noted Doctor Who uber nerd from back in the day. He just, I don't think he started watching the new stuff until we started watching it, oh, like, as a group, like, last summer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He he will willingly watch long episodes shot on terrible British video. Yeah! Set we, entirely in quarries. He would be all like, oh, man. The worse it is, the better it is for Patrick. Yeah, because yeah. he, lo- I mean... Patrick loves terrible media from the 70s. That's true, because he's a huge fan of ISIS. Yeah. The t- the old 70s TV show starring the Egyptian Isis. god. If I have to watch the, If I have to watch that fucking <laughs> Patrick, episode oh, listening to this. where the dog drowns and Isis <laughs> fails to rescue the dog. And what's the thing? Uh, Hawk the Slayer and all that stuff. He loves yeah. anything that's like from the 70s. That's but he terrible. loves it earnestly. Yeah, no. Uh, he's god, not one of these. True. He's not some hipster schmuck who's all like, oh, I love it. It's so bad. It's good. He's. No. Well, that's Daniel stuff he grew up it. on, so he likes it. Yeah. Patrick is the last of the earnest people. Um, but yeah, he was going to be here, but now he's driving to uh, LA or something like that, so he couldn't be here. So now it's us. No Annie, because Annie's sick. Which yep. she, she She's only seen slices of... Do- well, she's seen the last two seasons of Doctor Who. Really? This sh- In television uh, world, Bill, this would have been a clip show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> One of you would have been hit on the head. I know Doctor and Who. Then, and then would have had a hallucination in your coma about all the past funny things you've said on the podcast. <laughs> I know, seriously. <laughs> in two but minute at least, at least I, I, I used to watch Doctor Who as a kid. I used to... Well, anyway, before we get into too much Doctor Who memory stuff, I just want to talk about the, 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 the how the show got started. Uh, the BBC actually has a great uh, website, a uh, little archive thing. If you just go to bbcco.uk archive slash Doctor Who, they have a great uh, thing that it's 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 just all the uh, documents from the creation of Doctor Who back in 1962, 1963. And uh, one of the great things they talk about how uh, Doctor Who was born out of a uh, BBC mandate out of they just needed a an educational kids show to air on because Saturday BBC nights. Because BBC is publicly funded, so they yeah. have requirements for programming, diversity. Yeah, exactly. So uh, in the yeah, 1962, 1963, they were like, yeah, we need something on Saturday nights that's kid-friendly, that's educational, and we want it to be about history arbitrarily. So they went to, <laughs> I think it was... How'd that work out? There was so a, let's I make know. it about the future. Well, it's great, too, because like their mandate, too, was like, before anyone had any idea what the show was or any producers were assigned to the show, whoever came up with his mandate also said, we should have these characters. And it's the, one of the documents shows we should have, like, a cute 15-year-old girl who can be kind of, like, the person who kind of gets in all the crazy adventures who will be, like, the stand-in for the audience, you know, for the kids watching at home. Mm-hmm. But she has to be hot because we're going to have boys watching. We need this something <laughs> for the boys. A little eye candy for the 15-year-old boys. Right. Uh, we need uh, two adults who will draw in older viewers who can uh, be some kind of history teachers who can kind of explain history to the audience and to the uh, 15-year-old girl. Plus, there should be some cranky old man who just does crazy shit. Without any idea of who these characters should be, who should be doing what, that was their main day. We have to have those four characters in a show about history that's educational to kids. And so I think they pass it off to its uh, producer named Verity Lambert. Wait, Lambert? What a great name, Verity. Verity Lambert, Lambert and and a writer named Sidney Newman, and they got together and they came started coming up with like, okay, what hell are we gonna make the show, especially for a budget of five dollars a week? Like, what the <laughs> hell are we gonna do? And that's when they came up with the idea, like maybe the cranky old man is the scientist who has a time machine who like takes everyone else on crazy adventures <laughs> to rock quarries in the to past. Rock, no, exactly. Well, 
I'm sorry. I just like well, saying the happened. I just like saying the word quarry. Yeah. So. Well, that's what I, you're not wrong though. Yeah. Spent um, a lot of time running around. So yeah, rocks. The Genesis is like, okay, let's have the crazy old man. He has a time machine, and their ideas for like trying to come up with what kind of time machine it would be could, was hilarious because they're like, okay, we have to do something where. This time machine, we have to be able to take it out to a rock quarry. It has to be small enough that we just fit it on the back of a truck and take it with us. Right. But then again, we have these four characters, and they have to be able to go go into the time machine. But how are we going to do that with, like, It's something... amazing it's not just, like, a kiddie pool. I know! So they're like, well, maybe, you know, like, his time machine is just an invisible force field he can throw out that ma- the automatically just appear on a different planet. Perhaps it is a camping space. tent. Or something like that. And so... <laughs> or a large refrigerator. Yeah! But what they decided... I guess what happened was they were like, well, we should... We, we also want there to be a standing studio set of the interior of this time machine, so mm-hmm. if we need to save money sometimes, we could have whole episodes that just take place oh, within so the time machine. Oh, so that's why it's bigger on the inside! And so like, okay, well, let's make it some kind of random thing they could walk into, but that'll be like, bigger on the inside. We make it a, a standing set of, yeah. the, of the interior. And I guess, I don't know how they randomly just decided, like, let's make it a 1963 phone, phone box. It's a studio on the yeah, inside. Yeah, it's, it's funny how, like, the creation of Doctor Who, everything was completely arbitrary. Well, because, too, they didn't have, like, there was, Doctor Who's kind of interesting because it's not like Star Wars or Star Trek where those were created by one guy who had, like, one singular it vision. Was somebody with a wacky vision. Yeah, yeah Doctor Who was always just kind of put together. as, oh, it's wagon train to the stars. Yeah, yeah. this was all just, like, yeah, just pr- pr- a product of a studio mandate, a bunch of random people trying so to like, put oh, together these random pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not, dissimilar to, that's not dissimilar to how Casablanca happened. Yeah, it's not, yeah. It's really like, cool. all right, we got a B-movie, we're going to set it yeah. in a place with a name. We got Ingrid Bergman because we still have her own contract. Humphrey Bogart would have made a great uh, Who back in the day. They had like seven different writers who wrote. <laughs> no, seriously, there was one team that wrote all the funny bits, and yeah. one team that wrote all the romance, and, and one team that wrote the, the war who stuff. Who the brothers that wrote uh, all the stuff and who kind of smoothed everything over in Casablanca? Oh, I should know this. The Phillips brothers, I can't remember. But yeah, anyway, yeah, Dylan and I are big Casablanca fans. So uh, anyway, but yeah, yeah that, that's another like example of something where there was basically a mandate that was sort of thrown together, and then it ended up actually being. Yeah, there was good. no one guiding force. There was no one person who sat down and said, "We should have a show called Doctor Who about this man who's named the Doctor." Who's nobody was planet Gallifrey. Nobody was sitting there going, "This is going to be my legacy." Exactly. <laughs> and so I guess I guess they all kind of threw that stuff together and. Uh, I guess for the first, well, the first episode, it's the Doctor, man, the first Doctor's, the first episode's really weird. It's the Doctor essentially kidnapping everyone, because they find out he's hanging out in this junkyard with his, <laughs> well, I, well the, the girl, they decided they did not want him to be ra- traveling with a random, strange 15-year-old girl, because that looked kind of weird. <laughs> what same, are you talking is it, about? Is it the same kind of junkyard that was in last season's? Yeah, that okay. was totally an homage to that. Okay. Um, so they decided to make the 15-year-old girl his, uh, his granddaughter. Not somebody he just randomly threw I in know. a phone booth <laughs> and ran away with. I what? just, I just kidding. Good idea. The funny thing is, the first episode is the first episode is actually about this like this girl named Susan. She's 15 years old. She's going to college and or going to school in London, and she's kind of just weird because she doesn't know how money works, but she knows all the stuff about science that none of the science teachers know. And same thing about history. And uh, they kind of send her report cards home, but they get delivered to a junkyard. They're like, what the fuck is this? And so th- her two teachers decide to follow her home to figure out where the hell she lives. Because like you her, do. <laughs> yeah, because her, her the address she has given the school is a junkyard. And they follow her into the junkyard, and they're like, what the fuck? And she just walks into a phone booth. And they're like, huh? And they, they kind of storm in there, and the doctor's like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, now you're here. I can't Let's let you go. go on an adventure! And so that's how it ends. He's like, oh, we're all getting the hell out of here. And they're like, oh, my God! Yes! And 
episode, the next episode after that is just them going to like 10,000 BC and like fighting cavemen and shit like that. And, uh, and well, the, and the yeah, it's Rock War, exactly right there with the like the first like time travel episode right off the bat. But then the second episode was they go to an alien planet. And they fight a bunch of robots. With a lot of quarries. <laughs> yeah, but the second, but the, the, the second episode is them going off, yeah, uh, going uh, off to the future and fighting a bunch of alien robots. Turn out to be the Daleks. The Daleks yeah. show up in the second episode, wow. and those became so popular that like that changed the whole course of the show. And so instead of being a historical kind of educational thing, this one one off episode they sh- they had where it was like, oh, we'll just show what the future looks like just to show kids and stuff like that too, wound up becoming so popular that Daleks kind of overtook the show and all became about the doctor fighting the Daleks for the next like decade and that's how it went from like like a little historical kid show educational show to being kind of retarded phenomenon that it is so how did they come up with with the design of the Daleks because because they look ridiculous originally the funny thing is they're not threatening (laughs) there is a someone dug up on the internet not too long ago there was a note that uh, the design for the Daleks in that second episode was originally assigned to a young uh, commercial designer who was working for the BBC n- named Ridley Scott. Seriously? He was sick or he couldn't do it for some reason. Oh, so man. got foisted off to somebody else. Oh. Yeah, this is like, yeah, Ridley Scott. Like, the janitor. Yeah, they're like, the janitor. Oi, Tim. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you give, like... us, give us that rubbish bin. <laughs> <laughs> Put a plunger on that rubbish bin. We, I, we, need, some, we need all these robots to fight. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty much exactly what happened. Yeah, Ridley Scott's too busy uh, to do it, so we'll just get Larry to do it. Yeah, so, you know, the Daleks are actually kind of cool and scary, but they're they're stupid. But I, they're come totally on, they're Daleks. They, they are look totally dumb. they look ridiculous. Oh my god, but they look voices? like a, a public utility of some sort. <laughs> they always reminded me of like those, those uh, candies that are on the sheets. Yeah, somebody just pasted on a trash can. Yeah, yeah. I can totally see that. Or like legs pantyhose containers or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Please, Katie, yeah. rubbish bin. Sorry, <laughs> rub it. Katie, Katie always wants to be British, and then and then you fell back and in the then tub. You yell at and then me I chastise for you for the it. phrases that I use, and surprisingly, I don't use them again. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. We 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 had a kerfuffle <laughs> because Katie was saying good night everything. <laughs> that and sounds I, like something that, that doesn't sound wrong as a Britishism. Finally, we should have had Matt here. Matt's from England. Yes, he could he could have cleared he's all really this stuff. British. Yeah, yeah, he's super British. He's all tea and crumpets and no. Your mom's your daddy, and he's not what do you do? Oh, what's all this thing? Yeah, he's not even sniggity smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he says as a kid he used to eat out of a Dalek, uh, ups, upside down Dalek head for a cereal bowl. Because, <laughs> you know, they used to have those, those parts lying around from all those episodes they filmed in England all right, the time. Right, yeah, and you know, they're just littering the countryside. It's yeah, really a big problem. Just burning Dalek yeah. bodies just all over the, yeah. I mean, on Guy Fox night, that's what they're burning. We go to Burger King and McDonald's to get, get that stuff, and they call it collectible. There, they just throw it out all over the countryside. <laughs> God, so, yeah, so that's essentially, I guess, the genesis of Doctor Who, pretty much. Yeah, once the Dalek showed up, that, that was pretty much game over, and it was the huh. Doctor fighting stupid alien after stupid alien for the next 50 years. God bless him. I mean, granted, they still go back in time and do history stuff. Well, but... he'll be fighting stupid aliens with Charles Dickens. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it's also funny, too, in that first episode where they go back in time and fight cavemen, there's a great moment where he almost kills a guy. There's something happening where it's the Doctor and his little a bunch of companions are stuck in the middle between two uh, warring clans of cavemen. Okay. And there's something happening where one of the leaders of the, of, of the cavemen groups gets sick. And he realizes if he just beats this guy's head in, in with a rock, that solves the whole political drama. And he's about to do it when another character's like, no, Doctor, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I wasn't going to do that. Which is so completely different than the Doctor <laughs> now being like... 
I never use weapons. I am so all life is sacred. And the first episode, Doctor Who always like to bash someone's head in because it'll just make, no. just it'll make it so we can go home faster. Yeah, yeah, which cracks me up. Well, any any the prime directive exists in any story to be broken. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, granted, it took you know it took fifty years for all the mythology of Doctor Who and that character to shape up and everything like that, but. Yeah. Well, it took ten years before they ever introduced the idea of Gallifrey or Time Lords and stuff like that, too. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like, well, in the original... In the first, slowly over time. Yeah, with the first Doctor, it was just the Doctor was just an alien, vaguely, and for some reason he had to run away yeah, from Yeah, was home. this something that they came up with because they, they're they like, we're on our third actor, we need well, to yeah. explain well, what's going on? <laughs> well, this is one of those things where... Again, because there was no one in charge, it was just whatever they just needed to figure out, like, come up with story stuff just to keep the show running was... Um, well, the reason they changed actors the first time is because the first guy, William Hartnell, who played the first Doctor, uh, he was already, like, in his mid-60s, but he had, when he got cast, but he had, like, arter- arterial sclerosis or whatever. Huh. His brain was fucked up. He was having a hard time remembering shit. Well, then. Even when he was cast. If you go back and watch, like, first Doctor stuff, he's always kind of, like, flubbing lines and stuff like that. It's very <laughs> cute. And I guess... Sort of works for the character. I guess the BBC didn't want to spend extra money to refilm things, so unless he fucked up things... Spectacularly really, really badly. They there's lots of. It as is. I guess there's like, yeah. spoonerisms and long pauses. Yeah, I guess there's bits and pieces where he'll be like, "I think we should do this," and he'll get like lost in thought. And one of the other actors says, "So, doctor, what do you think we should do?" Yeah, what the planet we were just talking about? Oh yes, you know. Oh, and the it's planet, not, of course. Which fits into the character of kind of being this doddering old man. So anyway, he was already kind of sick and couldn't remember lines, and so after just two or three years, they decided they need to get a, uh, someone else to replace him. Huh. And, but, you know, he's the main character, what do they do? And they're like, oh, he's a space alien. Well, just make it so that, like, there's a thing he with his... his bodies. Yeah, when he get hurt, when he fall down, he turn into a new person. <laughs> Randomly. And so there's an episode where I think he's... Oh, this... I think he's fighting the Cybermen on the moon base that we have in 1986. Ah. Of course. And something yeah. happens, he falls down... And he hurts himself, and he starts dying. It's it's completely just rubbed over, just kind of like, eh, he's hurt, I don't know. And they don't call it regeneration, it just, he's like, oh, I'm hurt, but I will now change my face and make myself all better. And suddenly he turns into the second doctor, and it's never really explained what that is. I do like how it avoids the, the fear of death for little kids. Yeah. It's like, well, you're not a... really gonna die, you'll just change into a new person. Yeah, so, so that it's was... It's brilliant, though. It's a brilliant... Gambit, it's, it's kind of amazing that nobody else has taken advantage of that out to just yeah. because you can make a franchise last forever. Well, it's a weird show because you, it's it's it, that's got to be a bitch of a show to write for because you have a character that is essentially uh, immortal and has a time machine. Mm. How do you come up with interesting shit for that guy to fight that isn't? Yeah. Well, you put him in situations where he can be killed or where he doesn't have the time machine. Or over make him super immortal so he can't use weapons and stuff like that too. But yeah. But, uh... But yeah, it is like writing for Superman. You sort of have to engineer weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so that's that's how the show kind of mm-hmm. started. And then... Yeah, I don't think they actually called it Regeneration until a couple actors in. Was it, was it called The TARDIS the whole time? It was only, yeah, the first, very first episode. Well, this actually fucks up continuity with, with some people because oh, of... Oh, the, the delicate and <laughs> continuity I know, I know. The first episode, uh, all the teachers and sh- stuff show up at the TARDIS to, like, rescue... Susan, their their student from the doctor, who they think may be a bad guy. Was, uh, by then, the way, was every girl on Earth named Susan at that point in time? Oh, it's great because they're just kind of listening to this fake Beatles music too. Uh, she's all like, "I like music," or it's like surf stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! And the whole thing, what happened? Whatever happened to Susan is a kind of a whole big weird thing. Uh, anyway, 
Uh, wow. Oh, no, so in the first, very first, like, 20 minutes in the first episode, they walk into the TARDIS, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And she's like, this is a, a time and relative dimensions in space, but I call it the TARDIS. Blah, blah, blah. It's such a terrible acronym, and it's not like the word means I don't anything know. itself. Well, then people also complain because later on, uh, throughout the rest of the series, other Time Lords use the word TARDIS, which if she coined the term, then why are they using the word TARDIS? Oh, good me, 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 After she's long gone. <laughs> Those people don't like fun. Well, exactly. Um... But, oh god, yeah. So Maybe she was just a liar. She was a bitch. Or maybe yeah. she wasn't very bright. Yeah. Maybe maybe she was just lying about how she called it that. Maybe <laughs> somebody told her to call it the that. The doctor had to, had to run away because his daughter was such a lying... The doctor's granddaughter is a lying whore, yeah. is what we learned from the first episode that's, of du- Doctor Who. That's going to be the big penult- <laughs> That's gonna be the big reveal in the next season. Like, the last episode was... Or the last uh, season was the doctor's wife. This one's the doctor's daughter the is doctor's a lying whore. No, I like to think that she's just no. a little dim. Like, <laughs> like this is called a digital video disc, but I like to call it a DVD. <laughs> She's just always giving random acronyms to things. I love my cousin, my, my grandfather, Doctor Who, who I call DW. <laughs> um, but yeah, just even like the Doctor, like, being a Time Lord from the planet Gallifrey, that wasn't, that didn't come up until they had to turn, they had to get rid of the second actor. Yeah. Because uh, he, he played for a couple years and he gave up and uh, they decided to have it so uh, he gets caught by his home alien race, and this is where they came up with the idea. One of his uh, alien races, the species called the Time Lords, and he had stolen this time machine, huh. and so they like capture him and force him to uh, change again into a new person as part of his punishment, and he gets exiled to Earth. Well, part of this happened because for this, uh, when they decided to, uh, by the time they uh, the third Doctor was ready to roll around, the show had been on for about ten years. And uh, ratings had started lower enough yeah, that they, they wanted needed, to make it cheaper. They needed a new thing. Yeah, so in order to uh, make the show cheaper to produce, they decided to make it so the Doctor gets caught by the Time Lords, which they just invented just for this episode. So sit in a paper mache cell for an episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, what they do is they say that we're going to steal the knowledge of how to use the TARDIS and exile you to Earth. And so he spends the next few seasons, he turns into a new guy, which is the older guy who knows karate and shit, the third Doctor. He spends the next couple seasons without not being able to use the TARDIS. He's just stuck on Earth fighting aliens, just like in the backwoods oh, of England. Wow. Because they didn't want to spend all the extra money creating whole new alien worlds every episode. Uh, and so that whole third third, third Doctor season... Fighting Cybermen and Luton. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, for, so there's like three seasons of Doctor Who. It's just him fighting like three or four aliens every episode, just like wandering around. Over and over Yeah, and over just again. in rock quarries and stuff. time lord's hell. But yeah, but it's not... Not even under the pretense of they're in space anymore. Now it's just like on Earth, just like you're just stuck in England. Yeah, I think he fights some aliens. Building is on like Doctor Who mobile or something too. (laughs) I saw some. He didn't like take the train. No, he's Doctor Who. He's a super. This well, that Doctor was a super big, tall, foppish guy. So he's extra like I hate people. Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. blah. I need to get along very well with humanity. So yeah, that's how Doctor Who started. Wow. Now we know. Yeah. My knowledge, my knowledge is far from encyclopedic. Yeah. Well, so you guys never saw Doctor Who as a kid or anything like that? No. I did not. I, I was didn't. I was raised in the Church of Trek. Yeah. See, yeah, yeah. with us, we could easily turn this into a Star Trek episode instead. Yeah, and that, was, that, that way we could all... Really, really we should have, because Annie doesn't like much Star Trek. We could record our, a Star Trek episode this after this. This is our golden moment, Bill Medrin. Yeah. Well, I, well, next time Annie's sick, we'll have to bring all three of us together again to talk about the Star Trek. Yeah, about how awesome. Freak well, Star Trek is coming out on Blu-ray in a couple weeks. We'll watch That's that maybe a lot of I'm excuse. scared to see it in all in fancy tintness, though. Yeah, with all this I feel like maybe it won't be as cool. Yeah. Well, we'll see. 
Uh, but with uh, Doctor Who, yeah. So I used to watch it as a kid. It was on PBS. No, oh, I didn't know. I thought you were. I thought you were like the rest of us who jumped on somewhere around. Chris I didn't watch a ton of it. They had like the Fourth Doctor and the Fifth Doctor, and the Fourth Doctor being Tom Baker, the most famous Doctor before David Tennant showed up. Yeah, like they the had start. his stuff. And I watched enough in the, uh, enough Doctor Who to realize I hate, really didn't care uh, much for it because I was into Star Wars. It was also it, very slow paced, well, gentle. Even, even then, the only reason I ever gave Doctor Who like even a chance as a kid was I used to read Starlog magazine all the time as a mm. kid and I used to collect old issues of Starlog magazine from flea markets and stuff like this and because that was like the mid 80s these old issues of Starlog magazine I was reading was from like the mid to late 70s and all half that shit was talking about Doctor Who huh. and that was the big uh, sci-fi thing going on in England at the time and so that always seemed kind of like a weird crazy import so when I would see it on TV I would and try to like, sit oh, through exotic. it and I'd be like oh exotic but what it's Why like, is it so boring? Yeah, just like, oh my <laughs> so god. So you, you felt about it the way most people feel about Turkish Delight after yeah. having read Chronicles of Narnia. You're like, I bet this shit is amazing. Because they're always freaking out. And typical well, Bill Style, instead of just watching one or two episodes and saying, I don't like this, I forced myself to watch lots of it. And, and then complained like, about it. And so, yeah. <laughs> and like Bill. even when, like, Doctor Who got canceled in, like, 1989 or whatever, and they brought it back as a TV or a TV movie on Fox, like in the mid '90s, I tried to watch that. Just be like, "Oh, I remember. I gave this a swing as a kid. I hated it. Now I'm older and more mature. Maybe I'll watch this, and suddenly it'll make sense to me." Mm. Fucking terrible, and I hated. <laughs> to be fair, that Doctor Who was terrible, but that's why when the new sh- uh, series came back in 2005, I didn't watch it for a long time. I was like, you know, I gave Doctor Who two chances. It was terrible. I ain't giving it a third. Yeah, and then did a nice job revamping it. Yeah, I wish I'd known. No. I've never actually seen it. It's too bad there's no way to see past episodes of a TV show these yeah. days. Well, see, I've never, I've, I haven't seen the new, uh, new, new Doctor Who, so you guys have to explain it to me. With the Christopher Eccleston guy, <laughs> and David Tennant. Shut up, though. Whatever. There's this guy Jeff Smith or something. She's the Doctor now. Shush to no. you. <laughs> None of this. Um. Yeah. So I know more about Doctor Who old stuff than than you guys, but Patrick would have been encyclopedic about it. He'd be telling us right now, like like the Third Doctor's favorite food. And, like, his favorite karate style and shit like that. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, what else is there to talk about? Other this than... podcast would have been interesting had someone who's not here <laughs> been here. If Annie were to hear talk about Mass Effect, everything would be all better. <laughs> uh, Commander Shepard. I like it when Commander Shepard is a girl. I, I guess you're stuck with us. I guess that takes us up to the new Who, which uh, there's not much to say other than the last Woo-hoo. two seasons. Of, well, the last season was pretty bad. It was. That that it was, was so That was a genuinely bad season. But I think I I just liked it for reasons that I didn't I didn't get too upset about the whole wifey bit. Oh, the river more song the fact stuff. That it was just freaking slow. There was no character development whatsoever. What, the only character development spoilers if you guys haven't seen the last uh, season of Doctor Who. It was terrible. <laughs> River Song. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible. There's some really, there's some no, really good episodes. Some of the best Doctor Who stuff felt, is in that season. The plotting just felt very strangely paced. Yeah, stuff just seemed to have been moved around in ways that didn't make sense. And there was so much plot that didn't quite hang together that just kept being machine gunned out. Well, even the stuff that wasn't well, yeah, mis- everybody got plot fatigue. I think. Yeah. Well, even the stuff that wasn't necessarily shuffled in and out of order because I guess there were production problems. The episodes yeah. did get air out of order from what they were originally intended. But, like, even stuff like the opening episode where it's, like, like uh, the silence needs an astronaut suit from 1960s. Mm. But it's never explained why they specifically need an astronaut suit to kill the doctor. Why they need yeah. River Song since the suit is aut- autonomous anyway. And I'm still going to be mad about this. After a super plot-heavy episode that actually managed to be kind of exciting and build some momentum and do some big reveals... 
we were all ready for a really stupid, fluffy oh, what, nonsense the let's episode. Kill Hitler thing? And so they were like, let's kill Hitler. And we all, the entire room of us watching went, yay, yeah. silly bullshit and a break from intensity. And then, no, they just went straight bang back into well, especially it. With and the, then actually, just, the title of that episode is Let's Put Hitler in the Closet. Let's Put Hitler in the exactly. Closet and then never mention it. You again. think that's going to be the most <laughs> raucous episode in Doctor Who, the yeah, episode it's Doctor just Who history? And taking it's, a break from River Song plots and babies and things. And no, it's. Yeah. And now it's sad. That was the lowest point of the season because that's the episode where you find out that like River Song is actually Amy and no, you find out the episode before. Well, but like you find out that she grew up as their best friend, which you would never heard of before. Was a black lady that. And it's she turns, song. and then River Song. All when she turns into River Song, she's just worried about her tits and hair and her yeah, how much she weighs. It was, it was and really the gender thing there is kind of just like yeah. it, she's not very River Song, and she seems more like a character of like. Well, and she keeps talking about how she's a sociopath or a psychopath. Yeah, like, and it's, it didn't it didn't hang it together. I yeah. I don't know what the hell Stephen Moffat was thinking. I but. think I think some people got some really interesting ideas in yeah. mid season writing. Yeah, yeah. And they tried. Quickly. Yeah, they tried to incorporate them before they were done baking. Yeah, and so we got a lot of things that you look at and you're like, I I guess that could have been good. Yeah, but just the execution is just the execution is just off. Yeah. And I, and I think it really hurt the season two that it was it was played out of order. Yeah, and it was also split into two halves, mm-hmm. and I don't know mm-hmm. the whole thing was all fucked up. It, it really hurts that Stephen Moffat is. He's in charge of Doctor Who, and he's also in charge of a whole other series at the same time. So he really can't focus all of his attention on yeah, either one. I, I wonder. He's kind of got. He's I, got I, the, I feel like that, that. That's a cop out. Like you think that's so? your. That's your fucking job. No, but that yeah. happened. I think it might be similar to what happened with Joss Buffy Sweden. when Joss yeah. Whedon split off to start working on Angel, and the wheels started to come off of Buffy a little bit, and Angel wasn't quite good yet. And it just, yeah, it, Angel didn't get, get good until Buffy was done. It seemed yeah. like the, yeah. the captain of the ship was was a little distracted, and so I don't know. Yeah. I feel I don't know I feel like you should be able you should be able to let your kid go off and play and the kid can still have a good time yeah, that without you needing to be there yeah, well that, but a child and an extremely expensive television show are very different are pretty things. much the same <laughs> thing. But still, let's be honest but Stephen Moff <laughs> is only one person out of hundreds who works on the show you think he, he should yeah. be able to turn his back for a little while but and say hey guys take care of this I'll be back that's why I say captain of the ship because when you have that many smart people who have great ideas there needs to be somebody there to say we're not going to pursue that great idea yeah. It's a, I keep making more and more new references, but on uh, on on Thirty Rock, they're talking about how you know maybe it's just Tina Fey, but talking about how the job of a producer is to crush people's dreams. Yeah, yeah. is to say you know what you have to be an editor. You are so smart, yeah. and that script is hilarious and wonderful, and what your idea for a rainbow that shoots fireballs is amazing. But we're not going to do it. Go yeah. back and write what I told you to. But to me, what what happens when you get something like like Doctor Who last season, or you get you get the the Buffy Angel situation, is it's it's not that one person went away; it's that you didn't hire enough editors to begin with. Yeah, exactly. You, you need that support structure. You overloaded yeah. on the creative creative side without having enough of the the producer editor voice, and without having an having established enough of a balance yeah. that both of those are necessary for good storytelling. Not enough yeah. hateful killjoys. 
Well, I mean, I mean, like, yeah, it's fun to call it a hateful killjoy, but really what you're doing is you're making sure that those ideas that aren't quite ready yet aren't introduced and then die a horrible death where you can't use them ever again. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what happened, I mean, that's what happened with, I think, a lot of the cool stuff that happened on Doctor Who last season, is that now it's really hard to use any of those ideas yeah. in productive any, ways. Any two of those things would have been great at the same time, but yeah. instead it was like, here, have an entire armful of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's like that season of Buffy where where Spike where Spike has like a computer chip, and he's saying he has a curse, and like he's got about he's, eight, he's also in love. He's got eight plot devices piled and onto him, and there's computer chip soul rape. Yeah, and there's one, and there's an entire episode. There's even an episode where they call out, where they're like, wait. <laughs> Wait, Spike has the trigger, or is it the chip, or is it the curse? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you could tell that in the writer's room, somebody was just like, oh, God, this is ridiculous. We have to acknowledge that this is ridiculous. What happened we is somebody, shit, somebody yeah. bumped into the whiteboard. They couldn't <laughs> remember what was on it. Yeah. yeah. Which, it's also alarming with Doctor Who, too, because uh, when Stephen Moffat, the guy who's in charge now, right. he was writing for uh, Russell T. Davies, which is the guy who brought the show back. Right. Whenever Russell T. Davies had to, he like, whenever he was busy with something else, like, they came out with a spinoff, Torchwood, or something like that, he couldn't trust the show to st- let Stephen Moffat come in and kind of take things over. And so there was this, that structure where, exactly, like, if mm-hmm. the guy in charge of the show is too busy... There was at least a little bit of an infrastructure, even if it's just one other guy to kind of look over, to kind of kind of keep the wheels on things. Right. And now with Stephen Moffat, like it's shown that like if Stephen Moffat isn't paying attention, things fall off. And like so, if he leaves the show in like a year or two, who the hell's going to take over for him? Because it, it doesn't seem like there's anyone working on Doctor Who right now who has the chops to like take that place. I don't know. Maybe I mean there could be. Yeah. And plenty it, of it good just, British television yeah, people. Exactly. Yeah. It's just a matter of finding one who's willing to work on Doctor Who. These, yeah. these are jobs that people can do. It's just whether or not they are given the authority yeah, exactly, to yeah. exercise that voice that says, hey guys, maybe, or or hey folks, don't want to be gender specific. We're going to go in this direction. Yeah. We're going to go in this direction. We're going to make this choice. We're either going to do or not do this thing. And the only reason I even bring that up is because it sounds like Stephen Moffat's only got maybe like, got like another year or two in the anyway. Because yeah. it sounds like this, this whole production thing's kind of running them through the way. It, kind of, well, it so. kind of goes back to the conversation you and Dylan were having way earlier in the podcast, which is um, when you overcommit to a particular story. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. You you get worn out creatively, and and you have to have the ability to be able to move on. Yeah. You guys didn't see the latest Christmas episode, did you? No. It was not very good. Really. It had its moments. The ending is Doctor very cute. Doctor Who, why do you let me down? I'm just saying. The Christmas, I, the Christmas episode is always, what scary thing can I, we put in a Santa costume? I liked <laughs> last year's Christmas episode, though. That was very cute. Yeah. Even when yeah, it had flying sharks it? and shit like that. Flying sharks, and it was a Christmas carol with flying sharks. I did not And time see travel. It. It was, Why did I not see it? It was very cute. This one is, it's slightly Narnia-esque, but then it also turns into giant, like, harvesting robots, harvesting trees, and have to save the trees and put it into a lady because it's a lady and ladies are special. Huh. Really? Yeah. Th- there's Interesting. A whole, yeah, again, with S- Stephen Moffat's kind of weird, like, gender thing where it's kind of like either women women are kind of, like, loved to do their hair or they're the saviors of the entire human race. Now, here's something. Uh, the, the most interesting thing that happened this season, I think it was this season, was the Neil Gaiman script. I know! Yeah. Was that so was the highlight. Great. Yeah. Well, I... I feel a bit more ambivalent about it now than I did when I first saw it. Because you're a hateful person. No, no. it's just, I'm like, <laughs> well, it's, it's that time to settle in, and obviously it's a lovely standalone episode, and it's, it's, one of the it's best. a great independent story on its own, but in retrospect, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah. Do you think it was because it, it came along at a point in the season where you needed some good storytelling, and it got the closest? 
Yeah, I mean, it was nice that it was really just a single episode. It was taking a step away from all this fancy business. It's also a good slice of Doctor Who, too, because it talks so much... It's, it had nothing to do with the big overall arc of the right. season. It was just more about the mythology of Doctor yeah. Who Yeah, it was definitely Yeah, it was definitely an internal stuff. love letter to Doctor yeah. Who. Which, uh, I didn't realize how that uh, episode got generated was uh, Neil Gaiman's original idea was the TARDIS gets possessed by an evil demon or something like that. And so the whole episode is about how uh, Amy gets stuck inside the TARDIS and has to survive uh, inside the TARDIS. Because what if the TARDIS, instead of being this huge place that's you know bigger on the inside, that's full of magic and wonder, what if it turns into a, like a horror show, yeah. a haunted house, yeah, essentially? Yeah. And that turned into the idea, like, okay, an evil force takes over the TARDIS. What happens to the good force inside the TARDIS, whatever the hell that is? Yeah. And through rewrites, they're like, oh, let's put that the TARDIS into a person, and then the Doctor can kind of hang out with the TARDIS. And then they were like, oh my god, that's a better idea! That should be the whole episode! Yeah, make her <laughs> And lady. it kind of got flip-flopped, and exactly. And make so, her delirium from Sandman! It's, <laughs> it's such a great idea for an episode. It's funny that, like, it had to come out through, like, multiple drafts Yeah, see, that's the, the sort of thing I'm interested in, is how how those stories wind their way towards final production. Because it, yeah. because it is such an investment, you have to figure that even if Neil Gaiman or Stephen King or whoever is writing it, it's going to go through several iterations. Well, yeah, Neil Gaiman himself talked about, like, even once they settle on the basic idea, it's, it's the Doctor meeting the TARDIS on a junkyard planet. He, yeah, yeah. The reason it is a junkyard planet, it's he said totally it's an homage okay. to that first episode where you first time you see the TARDIS, it's in the junkyard. Um... There were all kinds of budget cuts because, like, the whole opening was supposed to be about the the, the doctor and uh, his companions just like being captured by natives on some kind of rain god planet, and that was too expensive, so they had to cut it to just everyone just hanging out on the TARDIS talking about the Beatles. And yeah. instead of the Ood who ends up chasing everyone or through that, the TARDIS was supposed to be a brand new alien, but they didn't have enough money for a whole new alien. They're thing. Like, yeah, and... dust off an Ood mask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's all this other stuff. There's supposed to be more elaborate things with the chase inside the TARDIS, where there's, you're going to see more of the actual TARDIS rather than just the instead same hallway. Instead of just the, the maze bit with. Yeah. yeah, and so he Neil Gaiman supposedly wants to do a novelization of that episode just to have like what his idea of what the episode should have been, and so yeah. supposedly he's. I'll bet it won't be as good as the episode. Probably not. Yeah. It's going to be long winded, and Neil Gaiman we. Can yeah, I'm still not a big fan of his prose stuff. No, I just I just think that with the setup of Doctor Who, probably the concise and lower budget version was going to hey, be you, going to be snappy. You because, got the gist of it. It's not like Doctor Who is a silly, silly show. Yeah. None of it holds up to serious inspection because it's not supposed to. It's just supposed to be fun. Yeah. Um. And and I don't know if elaborating further and deepening the emotional texture will work past a certain point. <laughs> well, so it's like, if you read the novelization, it's not like you're going to take anything away from the story that you did not watching the episode. It's not like it's well, going to be something could become a new story or You can have either. interior business well, going but, on yeah. with I mean, you can have... Forth, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and uh, it, it's also a nice... It, the story was a nice twist on a theme that is common in a lot of sci-fi, which is the beloved heap. So you have, uh, you know, you have the Millennium Falcon, yeah. you have uh, Serenity on Firefly, mm -hmm. um, depending on what Star Trek you're watching, there, yeah. there's generally a ship that's kind of a little fucked up. Pirates that Deep Space Nine. Even Pirates, Pirates of the, the Caribbean, Caribbean, the Black Pearl is a, is a shit pile, but it can row fast. You know, yeah. like, there's this, there's this theme of this beloved vehicle that sort of has a personality. Yeah. But, you know, everybody adores, even though it, it's obviously a heap of junk. And that was the nice thing to actually see, like, its personality and everything. Yeah, like that's a, it's, a, it's a nice trope, and so I think it was really fun to see that cliche yeah. sort of addressed. And it's just like taking a favorite toy out of a closet 
and, you know, having a little conversation with it. So I think that was nice, like, as somebody who's really interested in storytelling, to see somebody take a well-worn element and kind of just be like, yep, we adore it. Well, especially that that kind of episode was pretty much inevitable anyway. The Doctor meets the TARDIS. Mm. Like, the show's been going on for 50 years. It'll probably go on for another 25, God knows how many years. That that story was going to happen regardless. They could have fucked it up so badly that it's impressive as they pulled it off as delicately and as well as they did. Because that could have been so much more just maudlin and goofy and stupid. And the Doctor, or the TARDIS could have been so much more badly written. I, I like the fact that when she becomes a human, she doesn't understand, uh, like, linear time. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, that makes sense because, like, the TARDIS exists and all, you know, it's it's not, like, it doesn't see reality as we do. There's some clever stuff like that. Yeah. It was really, it's almost like uh, Neil Gaiman's really good at, at writing characters who are not actual people, but, like, ideas mm-hmm. and abstracts. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, that was, yeah, that was the, be- that was probably the highest point of the season. The uh, Girl Who Waited episode was, I thought was actually pretty cool. You hated it! I did. Yeah. Which that, well, yeah, that episode was a little... I could see why you <laughs> You're like, it was a great episode. I liked it. I can <laughs> see... Man, watching that episode with you grinning your whole teeth the whole time. Bill is yelling at Katie I right like now, that episode. <laughs> well, going back to Star Trek, I like that episode because that's the episode that ends with Amy's been stuck in some kind of, like, uh, place for, like, 30 years, and now she's older and she's bitter at everyone because she got stranded. I like the fact that, like, they do this thing where they could technically wipe out her timeline and mm-hmm. restore the good timeline. I like the fact they actually give the person whose timeline is about to be wiped out a voice. Because Star Trek does that shit all the time. And yeah. no one ever thinks about, yeah. like, oh, we've got to restore well, this. Well, no, it's nice that she wasn't actually self-sacrificing. She was like, you can't let me in because I'm going to take advantage of yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> those notes, I, the, I, I like that stuff. But I could see why you were just kind of graded. I got episode. to the point by that time in the season that I... Were you tired? <laughs> the, 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 the doctor, the doctor is ask, acting like such a dick. Yeah, such a dick. He's hiding information. He's not being helpful. He's being random and whimsical and putting people's lives at risk again. Yeah, and you're not getting anywhere in in advancement of anybody else's character. It's yeah. all about the doctor and how special he is and how wonderful. But you're not actually being shown that he's wonderful. You are not being shown any of the things that they are saying about his character. Mm-hmm. You are being shown exactly the opposite of what they are saying about his character. He yeah. is not... Does it seem earned? No, not at all. Which is one of the things so I like about Rory to... in that episode, because Rory spends the whole time being pissed off the doctor. Yeah, because Rory's he's like, what the like, fuck you are you doing? Well, yeah, <laughs> you get to, but you get to that episode, and she makes the decision that, no, that she... You know, it it is all about you, and you are the most magical, wonderful being, even though you are real shit to me, I and know. you barely pulled it off! Well, somehow they take this episode where it's finally actually about Amy, and they make it all about the doctor! And one of the <sighs> best things about, about having Amy have Rory is that Rory doesn't really give a crap about the doctor. Right. Like, yeah, he's they have just, a very uncomfortable, he's for her. They have a very uncomfortable relationship where the doctor's like, oh... Rory, yeah. and, and to me, that that episode like wiped out any promise of character development for any for, for anybody else in the cast. Yeah, because it basically said we don't care about any of this. I'm not going to live up to the promise of who the hell River Song is. Yeah. I'm not going to live up to the promise about about Rory and Amy's relationship and does it survive or how does it change. We are all here just for the Doctor, yeah. and that's what pissed me off about. Well, that even from from like a, a plot perspective too, like this episode that that episode should have been the episode where if Amy and Rory were ever going to leave the TARDIS, that should have been at the yeah. end of that episode. Yeah. And the next episode, they're still back, just hanging out with them. And it's like well, what? Did, did it, did it, but in the next that, episode, was that not an order. Thing? I think that may have I think been that because was an order thing. because then, then like an episode after that, they do. Leave. Then they're freaking out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
Well, they almost immediately under it. So the message of the girl who waited is, yes, the doctor is going to come for you. It may be weird. It may be fucked up. It may not be perfect. But he is going to come rescue you. You should have faith in him. And then, almost the very next episode, (laughs) the exact opposite message was conveyed, which was, oh, my God, you need to stop having faith that I'm going to come rescue you. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Because it's it's the the Minotaur. In the house of fear Uh that feeds on faith. No, but you bring up New Companion. It should have been that, uh, uh... The Muslim, Muslim doctor. Lady. Yeah. yeah. She, was she was hot. She was badass. Not to say hot is the first thing. Well, me. no, but to me that was a waste of a good character. And it was yeah. really nice to see a piece of contemporary Britain mm-hmm. actually being in there. Like, hey, guess what? It's not all kooky white people. Yeah. Lots I mean, not, of them, I mean, but Doctor, not all of them. Doctor Who has been okay in the past, at, uh, obviously, at having Britons who aren't just, you know, and white Britons. Martha! But it, it was Mickey. still, it was nice to see somebody who, you know, had a religion. Yeah. And she, that was interesting. she got sacrificed on the altar of the doctor is so awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they made you feel that fuck up. <sighs> yeah. 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 But no, I, I, she was, she was not a red shirt. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, uh, this is like people see, are really weird. I, wanna, I do want to like the doctor. Yeah. I, and I think that's everybody weird. wants to like the doctor. It's just that I feel at this point in time, it's one of those things where we've been telling ourselves that he's awesome. Yeah. And he hasn't been showing us. <sighs> Asshole. <laughs> Katie's disillusioned with the doctor. I didn't go to bed. How much now? of the other doctors, like uh, uh, Tennant and. She's watching no. virtually. None of it. Yeah. I, I, I watch it. That's what's this. hilarious. I'm curious get to see passionate what you're. About something that, you know, yeah, like, no, no, no. I was just. I don't know if you'd seen. Because I don't know if this is a Matt I, Smith or. I still think you'd like Christopher Eccleston. Because yeah, Christopher he's, Eccleston. He's one of the few doctors who's actually kind of a grown up. Yeah. I've mean, watched a good bit of Tennant. Like, he's fun, but. Tennant's a little wacky. Not that it's bad, but Tennant—it's great. He's a bit Bugs Bunny-ish. Yeah, exactly. He's definitely Bugs Bunny. Eccleston—he's kind of like—he's a bit of an Eeyore. Yeah, (laughs) Eccleston—it's funny because David Tennant always like Tennant's basic personality is wacky, wacky, happy, fun time. Yeah, and when he tries to play off like the 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 lonely God, I'm so angry thing, he kind of looks like a little wet rat. Yeah, (laughs) his his like I'm angry face is so kind of comical. Yeah, whereas, he looks a little wall-eyed, looks kind of like a cat. Yeah, which is a bad, but that's kind of just the way he is. Whereas Christopher Eccleston is such a grumpy son of a bitch that, yeah. like, even when he's trying he's, to be like, I'm whimsical in the doctor's, there's such an edge of kind of like, so grandpa, I'll kill you. yeah, grandpa, sad grandpa trying to make you happy, where it's that kind of creepy yeah. edge of, I don't know, it's, it's, it's... There's an elegiac quality. Yeah. No, yeah, Christian, Christian, the production values on the Christopher Eccleston stuff make this Matt Smith stuff look like... Like Transformers three, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still there's some good good stuff, and that was when this guy Stephen Moffat was actually writing good stuff, and not just like well, and again you don't driving actually, River Song. You don't actually go to Doctor Who for the good special effects. Yeah, I know, but still, no. it's but yeah, remember River Song? I thought River Song was going to be one of the best things about Doctor Who, and it turned out to be one of the biggest wastes of time I've ever seen on a TV show in the last couple well, of years. It, the, what they've done with River Song reminds me of what happened to Star Trek in the latest Star Trek movie, where they sort of made it into Star Wars. Like, yeah. they, they infected it with, with fate and destiny yeah. and magic, and it stopped being about, oh, humanity. Well, Rose right. Song originally, her whole hook was that she just knows the Doctor in the future, and that yeah. was enough. And that was and enough it was nice for a that hook. She was just, she was a person who happened to be delightfully badass all on her own, and who yeah. could keep up with this crazy character and kind of take him down a peg. And then you had to And then to have in... her be magic, too, and have her be involved with the Doctor since she was a baby. It was just yeah. kind of like, aw. Well, yeah, she's well, not, they, they she's they not cool in... on her own. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they, yeah, they throw in the fact that, oh my god, she's gonna kill somebody someday. And you know it's gonna be the Doctor. Right. It's not gonna be the Doctor. Who the, why, why is she even 
here. Yeah. But you wanted and for it to be, like, a, a genuinely cool, backstabby reason, not, oh, yeah. I was brain-programmed as a baby. And yeah. I got stuck in it. And even that, <laughs> well, it's funny, even that... Uh, program is a baby stuff doesn't matter because when she kills the doctor it, she's she not even is, doing she's in a suit that she can't it. control so yeah. like even that too there's no pathos to it because it's it's <laughs> again so mad. no it's again about how like no characters are important except in relation that to the scene doctor. on the beach where river kills the doctor it should have been her like tied up in a giant tractor with the doctor <laughs> standing there refusing to stand get out of the way like <laughs> doctor I don't want to kill you but you're not even touching anything or she's but just still, She's just uh, taking a nap. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, River Song turning out just to be like a byproduct of the Doctor's existence. Yeah. Just like, that was not It's disappointing. It was really disappointing. Because I think for the same reason that a lot of people really didn't like her character is because here's somebody who's standing up to the Doctor. Yeah. Which I was, could understand. And who's messing with that. the whole Doctor thing. Yeah. And so they kind of backpedaled on it. They're like, oh, no, really, she is just an outgrowth of the Doctor's awesome. Yeah, because she just had... Yeah. Which, you know, preserves... The shape of, of the show, but it was going to be interesting to see them, you know, mess with the formula, and yeah. they decided not to. Yeah, man, lame. Uh, David Tennant, when he said when he dies, it's sad. I'm just saying. Yeah, I made you watch that last Christmas. I so did. it was sad. Yeah. It was nice. It was nice because he did not go gracefully. Yeah, as opposed to the Christopher Eccleston Doctor is like, this was wonderful. I'm so glad we got to spend time together. And then David Tennant's just like, no, I don't want to die. Yeah, yes. I don't like that next guy who's coming. I want to stay here. Me. Yeah, there's a great scene where David Tennant gives his little speech about how, like, you know, you like when you're the Doctor and you transform into someone else, you like you like that who you were just dies. Even though yeah, like yeah. technically you kind of keep on going, that personal whole personality that is yourself ends up vanishing it's, it's and he's not cool with it he's actually no yeah. he's freaking out it's the same thing with uh with Dax on Deep Space Nine on yeah, Star Trek Deep exactly, Space Nine yeah. where it's like well I, yeah I have the memories of all my past lives but, but the, I'm not per- those the person people. I used but to be but now I'm a horrible horrible character but now but now I'm Ezri Dax and you're just gonna have to suffer through it so yeah. you're saying uh the 11th Doctor is Ezri Dax well no <laughs> Really, no, I like the 11th Doctor better than I like Ezri Dax. I really love the implications oh of that premise of, of, like, what a heartache it can be to know somebody who has within them somebody you used to really care about and really connect with and they yeah. have a history with, but you realize that person is fundamentally gone. Yeah. And that's something that happens in real life because people can change very radically. Yeah. And so having that exaggerated in, you know, a fantasy story it feels more genuine than a lot of fantasy hooks I wish do. They, yeah. they would have played that up more often when the Doctor meets old companions and stuff like that. Because, like, he, yeah. he'll meet someone and it's just, like, nothing ever changed. It'd be nice if, like, it'd be nice to bring back, like, Mickey or Rose or somebody back and, and meet the 11th Doctor and be like, like what? Well, yeah, what, but Rose, Rose did, you know, transition to the Tenant Doctor and she had, she had a couple of nice moments of being like, oh, you're not really my Doctor, but no, I guess I still want to snog you. Yeah. yeah. So, again, there's kind of... Yeah. And then she got her own copy of the Doctor. It'd be interesting interesting to see a companion, you know, transition to a new doctor and then be like, I don't like you. You're yeah. an asshole. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like, oh, the, 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 when uh, Eccleston turns into Tenet. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Martha, Martha is not around for that. Uh, there's a, there's a uh, companion named Martha who falls in love with David oh, Tennant's doctor. Yeah, Katie has seen yeah. And she sticks around for a season and she was a terrible companion. She was badly written. The actress was fine. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen she, a lot of her episodes. She falls in love with the doctor. That's kind of a boring storyline. She just leaves after a year. Yep. And it's great because when she leaves, it's not like she gets knocked into an alternate dimension. No, she's or just like, I'm she just says, I'm tired of this. I'm going home. Yeah. And I always thought that was a great thing for that I character. Did too. Yeah. I like the episode where she comes back. Um, yeah. What is it? 
Some sort of military industrial complex. Oh, she's with torch wood and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah she keeps she keeps doing magic things. Yeah, I liked, yeah. I liked those episodes. She's hanging out with the uh, Captain Jack Harkness and all that stuff. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the Doctor Who's embraced the gay a little bit. Has it? Really? Well, Captain Jack—he's at least not—he's queer at least. The yeah. actor's also queer. Yeah, but it they al- need the doctor to fault, man. It also plays into that stereotype, though, of anybody who's queer being like blithely promiscuous. Yeah. So it doesn't really acknowledge yeah, the yeah, possibility yeah, 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 of yeah, yeah. you know, hey, I'm I'm a normal person. Yeah. I just happen to you know, this yeah. is my person. If you're gay, it's on the televisions. It's you're either evil or you just you sleep around like nobody's business. Yeah. 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 The the evil gay is a popular character. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but sometimes the evil is explained of, oh, the world is so cruel to them because they are gay that they're evil. Right, so no, it's cool. Really it's no, cool it's, because it's our fault. It's still the evil gay. Yeah. Okay, so who's your favorite doctor? Who's my favorite doctor? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I like I like a lot of things about Eccleston, um, but let's face it, I do my best cosplay as Lady hey. Lady Doctor Ten. Pretty much, exactly. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna remain loyal to David Tennant. I I think that his tone was very appropriate for the show because you know he's fun. He's a fun guy. You don't really believe that he's going to get too emotionally attached to anything. Tennant. To, to the, yeah, the way yeah, he, yeah, the way yeah. he portrays. No, the he's doctor. the most popular doctor by far. Like he can get yeah. hung up on somebody, but on the whole. He's just a guy who loves running around the universe and getting into weird scrapes and then getting out of them again. Like, you believe that he's having fun. Oh, yeah. I, and so you end up having fun with him and not taking the show too seriously. Whereas I think with, with Eleven and with Nine, sometimes they're aiming for a little more gravitas than the show can actually handle. Yeah. That's, I still like Eleven best, but I like all three of them. Saying I like Ten at the least is like saying, like, when you get in the, was it Neapolitan? Well, you cream? don't like things that are popular. The, the strawberry. <laughs> no, he's fine. You don't like things that are popular. I like yeah. strawberry ice cream. I just don't like it as much as vanilla or chocolate is all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a good, he's got a good middle of the road performance. Yeah, and... Christopher Alkinson used to be my favorite. I like Eleven. I like Matt Smith just because he looks like a giant weird Frankenstein. He's a goofball. Yeah. Yeah. He looks, yeah, I like, I like he way, should not I like be on television. He he's not ugly, but he just looks... It looks odd. You know who? Like you know who my favorite doctor is? Uh, the non-white, non-dude. They're yes! cast as the doctor. Eventually, well, that's the other thing that came out this week in terms of geek news is Helen Mirren just pretty much went out there and said, "Guys, if you want to play next doctor, doctor, you, you know me. what? I would like to see Idris Elba and Helen Mirren arm wrestle for it." <gasps> Ooh, that should be an episode where there's like split doctor continuity yeah, or something yeah, like who's, that. Yeah, who's gonna get cast? God. Like it that. just could be her companion. Maybe. Oh, that's I interesting. So you I get both. I, people but still... no, I, I, would, I would really just, I would love to see a doctor who's not a white dude. Yeah. yeah. People uh, still argue for uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, the guy from uh, the Serenity movie. The bad oh, guy. Yeah, 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 he was good. He was nice and intense. I could see him being that too. Yeah. But yeah, like Helen Mirren, any, yeah, just not, not Mix it up. Do something, guys. Come on, seriously. Yeah. Well, especially if he turned into a woman, because uh, when ele- Eleven turns into Eleven, then his he... first thing is like, oh my god, I'm a girl! Then you can put well, that joke back and be like, oh my god, I'm a girl. They've, they've established that you can switch. Oh yeah, that was one of the other best that parts of Neil Gaiman's yeah, episode. Your physical sex can switch when, yeah. you, when you change. So they, they laid the groundwork for that potentially happening, and you know that he was not going to get to put that in the script unless they liked the implication that right. that could happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're going to follow through. They'll just, just put Matt, Matt Smith in a dress for a season. Oh, just, just to laugh. Wow. He would be a really <laughs> ugly girl. Oh, man. Well, so, like, the, and the only reason people are talking about uh, 
who would play the next Doctors, because it sounds like uh, Matt Smith might be leaving sooner than later. Well, especially the show's 50th anniversary is coming up in a year or two. In a, in a hotel in New York? In oh, God, yeah. You're telling people, no, I'm not on drugs. <laughs> I just love life. Oh, I can't believe Amy's yeah. leaving the show. Oh, God. Man, she was hot, though. Yeah. Amy Paul was hot. Is she yeah. going away? Alright. Is she really, really going away? They they announced it. Like, oh, okay. I'm actually... Like, I'm going to miss Rory more than I'm going to miss They announced this yeah, next too. season is going to be their last season. I'm surprised they're coming back at all. Because it sounds like... It seemed like well, they wrapped up their story. they're not coming back until, like, what, September? Yeah, so... The, yeah, exactly. Well, but, I'm guessing it's an immensely expensive show for the BBC. Yeah. And that they're... Because they're partially publicly funded, they're probably tightening their belts right now. Oh, yeah. that was Supposedly, that's why uh, the show had so many production problems last season. Why? Their budgets it's got It's not slashed. as if there's a world... Economic crisis, but uh, yeah. So yeah, so everyone's wondering if Matt Smith may not be leaving when the 50th anniversary special hits in about a year and a half. Interesting. Yeah, two years because yeah, it'll, uh, November 19, uh, November 2013 is Doctor Who's 50th anniversary, and everyone's been well, talking about they need to do a multi because in the yeah past, there needs to be an episode where it's like David Tennant and Christopher Eccleston and Matt Smith all have to work together. Well, yeah, in the past, like the, every a- anniversary special has been a multi Doctor story. Uh-huh. Them all hanging out and doing stuff, and so everyone's assuming like even if you don't have all eleven Doctors because some of the actors are dead, dead now, yeah, at least bring back everyone still alive and, yeah, yeah. and do a big thing. That'd be fun. Well, now with the, the last season, they're teasing. Well, you're going to find out in the next season who the Doctor really is. Yeah, because a Doctor Who! That yeah. leads into, there's actually, there's this whole crazy continuity thing which has not been canon within the is show. Is this the whole mother issue where he's only, like, maybe only half Gallifreyan? No, this is something else. It's called, wow. I think it's called, like, the Cartmel Master Plan or something like this. Right before the show got canceled, like, in 1989, yeah. the guy, one of the head writers, he was coming up with this whole idea about uh, who the Doctor really was. And the show was actually leading up to it uh, but it got canceled the year before they would have oh. pulled this whole stunt off. And so what the idea was, in Doctor Who mythology, the Time Lord Society was founded by three guys. Uh, this guy named Omega, who was a super scientist who, I think he either collapsed a black hole or put the Time Lord's home world, Gallifrey, at the edge of a black hole. And so they could use that energy to create the first time machines and turn themselves yeah. into Time Lords. And then there's sure. a political, guy, <laughs> political guy named Rassilon, who was played by... Uh, James Bond in one of Tenet's episodes. <laughs> no, what's his name? Timothy Dalton. Okay, okay. Yeah. He's because that was <laughs> gloriously non-specific. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's only like saying, So there was this Bond movie. Right? I'm just saying, the guy who plays Doctor Who. There was this up. guy who was in one of the Harry Potter movies. Showed up in, in Doctor <laughs> Who. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, right, him. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Timothy Dalton uh, in David Tennant's last episode, he shows up with this guy named Rassilon, who was also one of the co-founders of, of, of Time Lord Society from billions of years mm-hmm. ago. And then there was a third guy, only known as the Alpha. other. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know why there's Omega and then there's Rassilon. Yeah. Makes no sense. But then there was a third guy, which no one knows who his name was, but uh, when he <gasps> found out that this Rassilon guy was going to use Omega's invention of time travel as a bad thing, mm. uh, tried to fight uh, Rassilon, and Rassilon killed him. And so, but no one's allowed to talk about who this other guy is. He, like, his, yeah, his name's been he wiped from his... He shall not be named. Yeah, yeah. he... Exactly. And uh, so what they were going to do right before the show, Doctor Who got canceled like uh, 20 years ago, was they were going to reveal that the Doctor was actually this other, essentially uh. reincarnated. Well, there's this whole other thing in Doctor Who where uh, Time Lords uh, were eventually cursed so they can't uh, biologically reproduce. Right. When a uh, Time Lord so they dies... they jump bodies or something? Yeah. Well, after a Time Lord goes through, like, uses up their 12 regenerations or whatever, they dump their spirits into this, like, 
mystical loom thing, and they weave a whole new person out of that. What? And so the idea is that, like, the Doctor was woven out of this other guy from a bazillion years ago. Yeah, Stephen Bruce does something like that in his Vlad Taltosh novels. Oh, yeah? yeah? Where somebody's a reincarnation of a, of a, yeah. of a, of a, of a high-ranking fuck-up from history. And, yeah, it's almost and like And now he's been thing. reincarnated as the schmo in the lower-ranking species. Yeah. So that's why he's got all these princesses and dukes being like, Hey, hang out with us! <laughs> yeah, this is like You're the reincarnation of our ancient brother. And so I guess on, on the, the Doctor Who show a year or two before it got cancelled, they were laying down ground work for like this to be the big reveal of who the doctor really is i don't think they would have still given him a name but you would have found out like what right. what what his past story is because all we know he used to li- he used to live on gallifrey and he left yeah and uh or something. so everyone's wondering if that's if this isn't going to be the big reveal that they have with uh matt smith in, huh. in a year or two with the 11th with the with the big anniversary special or something like that oh that'd know. be kind of fun um but yeah that's doctor who <laughs> Yay! Well, who's your favorite doctor, Katie? I've only seen ten. Your favorite doctor Smith. is the least favorite doctor. I, I, I love I, Doctor Who. I don't I mean, want to kill Matt angry. Smith. I'm a nerd. I can get angry and hate something and still love it. Okay. Well. <laughs> yeah, that's a requirement of being a nerd. I thought this is bullshit, so I watched thirty hours of it. <laughs> Over and over and over again. Okay, so we have some feedback from uh, Boy Howdy podcast listeners. Uh, okay. Annie writes in to say we're all assholes for recording without her because she's sick. I uh-huh. agree. No, she actually didn't write in. I just feel bad that she was sick, and I didn't want to um, skip an episode, so that's where we pressed ahead with this. Also, she's only watched. Yeah, she's actually watched about as much Doctor Who as you have, Katie. Right, so she and she's not any more impressed with it than you are. <laughs> So really, it would have just been us. So actually, it would have been me and Dylan kind of being fans, and you guys not really being fans. And yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, Daniel Fight, uh, Daniel Fight from Japan. I love him. He's one of my buddies. His doctor ranking is uh, eleven as best, ten, four, nine, three, two, and one. Blast off! Wait a Boosht. minute. Huh? I think that's all of them. <laughs> uh, somebody yeah. wants uh, Benedict Cumberbatch from uh, Sherlock to play the next Doctor. You know, he has yeah. the same problem that Matt Smith does. He just has a face. He's got, That's what makes he's, interesting. he's got so much face. Yeah. And Matt Smith has has so much face. I feel like we need somebody with, like, 20% would, less face. He would make a good master for the Doctor. Master is the Doctor's evil right. nemesis. Yeah. They're both, they're both it'd, weird it'd be faces. The, it'd be the war of the two giant white slabs with little bitsy eyes peering <laughs> out of them. Just the war of the staring granite. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that was from Hannah K. Groff. Yeah, Mr. Um, Cumberbatch is in everything right yeah, now. What else was he in? What else has he been casting? He was in recently? that that horrible thing that we watched on Netflix, where he's like the brother, oh, the autistic brother. He's in some... Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Yeah, did you guys see that yet? No. no. Oh, okay. I want to. There's man. I still That's want kind of the movies. I will. Yeah, I want to Gary Oldman. If you guys want to go to movies, I will totally go to the movies with you. Uh, There's oh, there. God knows we have friends. no shortage of things to go see. Um, yeah, because none of us went saw anything this year. But yeah, Hannah's heart is with Mirren. Yeah. I don't think you find any argument there. No. Uh, Daniel Fight also mentions that he would also like Brian Cox to play the Doctor. Which, if you're going to go with old white guy, he that's just, not bad. It'd be an entire season of screaming. <laughs> screaming? <laughs> no. I just picture Brian Cox from Rushmore. He was just a grumpy old man. Just, Fisher! What are you doing? Where's Fisher? That's true. Uh, well, the Doctors have been getting progressively younger, yeah. so Justin Bieber, maybe. <laughs> no! Uh, somebody suggests Robert Carlyle, Gerald, SB577. I'm not quite sure who Robert Carlyle is. Uh-uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and Sorry, Gerald. Survey says no. Uh, Sean Baca, Sean, Sean Baca, whose also real name is Sean Baker, which confuses me. This is the guy who Baker. sent me the Mookabook. Baker. Mookabook? 
<laughs> I love the mookaboop that he sent me. Uh, he says his favorite story is the doctor's wife. Uh, he loved the tar- crazy TARDIS lady. Yeah, she was great. She was great. Uh, she's been on British soap operas. That's her big thing. Is she? Yeah, she's yeah, apparently a lot familiar. of people were very worried when she was cast in the episode because she's associated with EastEnders or whatever. Yeah. One, one of the legacy soap operas on British TV. They were worried she was going to leave for Doctor Who? No. They, N- no, they were just, they were worried because was gonna be she's associated with Oh, TV not good, like, like soap operas. Well, sort of like with Alex Kin- Kingston, people were like, really? Mm. Uh, and then it turned out well. It was fine, yeah. Um, Sean also says, uh, he loves the first season of The New Who with, uh, Eccleston. He really loved the Bad Wolf stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, they, they did a nice job of having some, some plot, but not having the plot totally run the show. So the genesis of the Bad Wolf stuff, I guess, was, you know, the first season of mm-hmm. Eccleston was, I guess somebody, uh, there was a scene where the director, they, they had a scene where the TARDIS was in, like, 2005 London. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the director was, like, went up to the assistant director and said, hey, would you spray paint something on the side of the TARDIS? <laughs> well, it doesn't matter what it is. Just make your graffiti. Write something that sounds like kind of vaguely threatening, like a gang member would have written it. Uh-huh. So this guy just writes Bad Wolf on the side of the TARDIS. And I guess later in editing, uh, Russell T. Davies, the guy who's in, uh, head of the show, was all like, oh, that's interesting. He's like, oh, we should turn Bad Wolf into a meme that goes on for the rest of the series. <laughs> and that's how that kind of thing turned into... That's that, Bad Wolf never really turned out to be anything interesting anyway. So, um, Sean Baker also suggests Adrian Lester, the lead actor from another BBC series, Hustle, as an excellent choice for uh, the Doctor. Huh. I have not seen Adrian Lester or the Hustle. Um, Matt Morrison says Tennant and Martha Jones are his favorite Doctor Who characters. Okay. Martha Jones, she was hot. I like everything's they were hot. Well, here's 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 a question. Best companion, because I would say Donna. Hands Donna, Donna is up is there. The Donna or Rory. Donna, I, because Rory. neither of them like the Doctor very much. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, it's it's fun when you have somebody who's not just enthralled to the Doctor. Like, yeah. I, I feel like Donna was the tonic to the Doctor's gin. Yeah, I will give her that. That's she. She would have worked. She worked better with Tennant than I think she would have worked with Eccleston or Matt Smith because Tennant was so like so up there and she was so down there that like yeah. they made a great combination yeah where she was just like you crazy yeah what are you doing and like the, yeah no, that was a great companionship and like and how Donna... it was fun that she was a temp like, yeah. and and she was a temp in the show too. She's like, yeah, it was, it was I just very, love it was very, I kind of wish they hadn't been quite so so vicious to that character and how they got her off the show yeah. like they really, I kind of like how they, her character really got screwed over yeah she she has one was... of the least good uh Companion leaving stories. dismounts, yeah, dismounts <laughs> as it were. Um, but no, she was great because she she just was sort of acerbic and unimpressed. Yeah, and uh, she also liked black dudes. Every guy she falls in love with is I kind know, of a sculpted black guy. She has a type. Uh, Michael Fassbender for the Twelfth Doctor. Matt Morrison also suggests. I could see that. Yeah, if you got a young white guy, I guess. Yeah. Um, Maxwell Motley says Doctor currently. Uh, her favorite is Matt Smith, followed by David Tennant. She is quite fond of Amy and Rory as companions. Um, Amy's cool. I like I like little girl Amy better than I like older Amy. Oh yeah, little because little Amy's a little she's dork. Cute. Yeah, she's little, like I, like you don't. I never believe that Amy is in any way an outcast. Yeah. Because she seems like a popular girl. She's way she too turns confident. into a supermodel. Yeah, she's well, way and too that, that really disappointed me. Like the whole show is all about how Amy's this incredible, dynamic, yeah. magnetic person, and what she does with herself after these incredible adventures is she sells perfume. 
But it's, it's Dylan. People need perfume. They need to smell. That's pretty. great, but that's important. It would have been way cooler if she'd like written a best-selling book, or, or she, she like, like had her own talk show, she, or she went into politics, she wrote, or, she, or she wrote a young adult book about her adventures with the doctor. If that she would turned, be cool. Like, that would have been great. But instead, like, it was just like Amy is is now famous because she pretty. Yeah, I don't see how Rory would fit into that lifestyle either. It's just yeah, yeah it was kind of. It's like, a real fun. I mean, I understand that they they wanted to do something that you could explain her success in a yeah. single shot. And so having that one advertisement that's the, the petrichor. Fu- that's the funny reference, you know, oh, Amy yeah. came up with a perfume. But it was still just kind of like, oh, it's kind of a disappointingly fluffy thing for yeah. her to be famous That whole episode was also weird, that other Craig episode. I like that those episodes, what they're trying to do with, like, the doctor shows and hangs out with Craig. But they actually defeat the Cybermen with love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they call it out in the show, but you it's knew still kind of... You knew that was... Uh, Grant, that Doctor Who does that all the time, where it's... it's yeah. yeah. No, and Craig was also a nice a nice sort of antidote temporary companion. Yeah, where's normal human being because have to put up with the Doctor's Because bullshit. he's just a goober. Yeah. And he, you know, he's very impressed with the Doctor, but at the same time, he's not googly-eyed about it. Yeah, he's not just enthralled with he's the like, Doctor. He's like, that's great, you time moment. travel, I have to warm up the bottle for the kid. <laughs> Maxwell Motley also says her favorite stories are Silence in the Library and Force of the Dead. Mm. That's where the River Song first shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I still love that. Blink. It's Everyone funny how Blink. the really good episodes, they will then redo that episode, yeah. only bad. Except for, uh, there's the episode of David Tennant's run where it's a little kid who turns out she's possessed by an evil space alien and she turns everyone to drawings, which they remade this season into little boy turns everyone into dolls yeah, instead of dollhouse. Yeah, see, doll exactly. House. The regurgitation episodes are inevitable and bad. Well, also, the... And they, they destroyed the Weeping Angels with, yeah, with the episode they... where they're back again, and you're just like, well, now they're not nearly so threatening. Yeah, instead of instead of killing people by sending them back in time, for some reason, they're just snapping everyone's necks now. Well, and they, they, they managed re- to take the things that were weakest about uh, Silence in the Library and weakest about Blink and combine them into a single episode that was even weaker... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? Man, how much work. do we love Doctor Who? <laughs> okay. Well, but again, this is this is nerddom is loving something and bitching about totally. it. Totally. Uh, Maxwell also likes the Beast Below, which is uh, Doctor and Amy on an alien or uh, like the spaceship England. They find out oh, that it's being yeah, run by a giant yeah. space whale. Oh, yeah, I liked that one. That, that was nice. Uh, and Plus, they introduced Badass Queen. Oh, yeah, I forgot mm-hmm. about that. She yeah. was a lot of fun. That's the best thing about the season. It was nice. It was she nice. Was queen of England badass. was not a white lady. That's one of the things I liked about that season was how all these disparate things got tied together at the very last episode where the queen and mm-hmm. all that other... I, I did appreciate the that. The painting and the... Yeah, no, they did a nice job of, of bringing the gang together and also, and also retroactively inventing some gang. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, well... Clearly, these people have a history with the doctor. <laughs> yeah. We'll just throw them in. But it's nice when they give you the sense that the world and the adventures are much greater than we mm-hmm. see. Like, oh, we, man, like fucking... we see like 5% of what the doctor does. Yeah, with uh, Madame uh, Kevorkian. No. <laughs> Madame Kevorkian? I love That's my favorite character. Uh, no, wait, who's the lizard uh, chicken or lesbian friend? I don't know. You did. You spent like a week doing fan art of them, Bill. Which got put into you Doctor Who. Which got, put into, got published into a Doctor Who book. Yeah, I know, yeah. No. They did make a lesbian <laughs> sex tongue joke no. in the show, which cracked me up. Lord. And also, Maxwell Motley's other uh, favorite episode, Amy Choice, with the dream lord that shows up, which kind of forces Amy's oh, pregnant. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're being attacked by Rory old people. Rory gets killed, and she's like, no, I refuse to accept this as reality. Yeah, yeah. it's like the first time Rory's killed, yeah. Yeah. Um, Another instance of a ridiculous planet idea. 
<laughs> it's it's Doctor Who. I was right up, the best. I was right up there with the episode of Voyager where there's an entire planet made of you know liquid water just floating in the vacuum what? of space. Yeah, there's that a, would happen. There's a planet that's, that has no core. It's just a di- giant water ball, completely ignoring the fact that it has like it has no atmosphere. So how is it still a liquid? Man. They like fly Voyager through the water planet. So we need oh. to do a Voyager episode, is what you're saying? Oh lord, it was silly. God. We need to do a Star Trek podcast. We've talked about as much about Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Only a couple more things. Uh, Daniel Fight again says, he mentions, uh, 12th Doctor being a lady, can Time Lord swap sexes when they regenerate? Yes. Yeah. yeah, He's always started watching the show. Yeah, Yeah, he's... Oh, God, if he's listening, he's probably been spoiled and crazy because he's just Sorry. started watching the show. But, yes, it does, in the latest <laughs> season, get established that Time Lords can swap. It kind of, kind of as, a, as a throwaway line. Yeah, but... you don't see it. It's not like the Doctor turns into a lady, but it is mentioned one no, of the Doctor's another, buddies. Yeah, a Time Lord who who has been a lady. At they actually, in that Doctor Who book I'm in, the, they actually, Neil Gamer wrote a special thing all about that character. Yeah. Yeah, talking oh, about that character. So, yeah, the Corsair. Cool. I, the Corsair, exactly. Yeah. Nice. Like, the, one of the one of the major downsides of being, all the Time Lords are gone! It's like, oh, you missed the opportunity for some cool Time Lord characters who could maybe be jerks mm. or well, the allies. I'm hoping if, if they mix that, that master plan idea I was talking about, about the Doctor's identity, which would uh, would also, they could combine that with the Doctor showing, uh, showing how the Doctor wiped out everyone in the big time war. Yeah. That immediately be, precedes all the Eccleston it stuff. Would be that nice would be the to perfect see a little more. Yeah, that would be the perfect okay. 50th anniversary. Have special. some repercussions from it other than just I'm sad for I am the last. Oh, I am all alone. <laughs> My ice cream cone will not lick itself without the other We're the last unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Um I think that's it. All right. Um, a lot of people are yelling at me about Zelda Wait, games. Wait, is this is this being live streamed? No. Okay, thank you. I'm just looking at like you know because I put the call out on Twitter saying, "Hey, everybody, ah, we're talking right. about this." Okay, so that is unless we have any other pertinent things to talk about Doctor Who. It's everything about Doctor Who. Anybody could ever say. Next episode, yeah, the next... Time. Space. The next, yeah, last season was terrible. Next Doctor needs to be, uh, not have a white penis attached to him. Right. Or her. Okay. Uh, you know, none of us have made, have made the Dalek exterminate voice. Should we just get that out of our system? Exterminate. 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 Katie. The next companion should be a, do- a Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> I have served you tea. <laughs> they got on the inside. <laughs> I have cleaned the toilets. <laughs> Just like, yeah, some kind of like, yeah, brain damaged Dalek. Uh, yeah. Who should the next companion be? Uh, Anybody, like any kind of... Rowan Atkinson, I love him as Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> it should just be everyone who's left for money. No, no, I've got it, I've got it. Kate Middleton. Who's Kate Middleton? <laughs> oh my god! Is she the one with the ass at the wedding? She's no, the, no, that's, that's her, the ass. Is, it's, that's her sister, the sister, the sister of the queen. No, to be. she's the one. She was the she bride. She is the queen to be. She is the bride. Oh, she's okay. Oh, yeah. The ass you were checking out was uh, her sister's. The, her sister's ass. This yeah. is this Kate is Middleton, a lady in waiting. I was, lady in waiting, I believe. They yeah, call I, it. yeah, I was astonished by the ass of whoever this person is while watching yes, the world. There is a lot. I'm just saying, she had that dress and she walked up the steps for a while. And it was was a beautiful, beautiful God, I'm not even an ass guy and I was just like, you were mesmerized. Fuck, man. But yeah, Kate Middleton. That'll be a huge hit. Yeah? Yeah. Is she attractive? I like her. Okay. She's she's got a Grace Kelly thing going. She does. Maybe she can play like somebody from uh, past time because they need someone who's not just from contemporary, contemporary uh, England. Yeah. Running around. Yeah, that'll be nice. 
I should be the best. Maybe okay. maybe somebody from one of the colonies, like an Australian kid who's in the UK to yeah. college or one something. Yeah, one of the best things. Okay, this just got done being a nanny in Germany because, for a year because I, <laughs> because I like how you know the the exotic companions are like from the north. <laughs> wow. One of the best things about there's a Doctor Who comic put out by IDW, which is actually really well written. Yeah. And it's some of the artwork on there is really cute. Uh, in the current series that's going now, the Doctor's companion is a dinosaur named Tim. I think it's Tim. <laughs> it's Tim or Eric. I can't remember. Everybody's freaking named Tim. He's a huge like a velociraptor. He's an actor whose brain somehow got dumped into the body of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. What? for the 11th Doctor because like it's even more ridiculous than the Doctor is oh, and that is you know that's something you couldn't do uh, in no, the live next, action the but. next companion should be a Corgi oh <laughs> so this actually be Ayn from Cowboy Bebop <laughs> yeah. with a voice box hello where shall we go today Mark <laughs> with a little, little, little come pass. on season of Doctor Who that's just about the Doctor oh, the, and his dog. The Doctor is all by himself now. Maybe he just swings by the, the Humane Society and picks be, up a corgi. That'll be like Tintin. <laughs> he just needs a snowy. Oh, God. Yes, okay, it's been decided. Corgi. Yeah. <laughs> corgi, <laughs> corgi and Kate, if there has to be human companion who shows up every once in a while just to feed the dog when the doc, when oh, no, the no, doctor's no. out, no, I've got it's it. Kate Middleton. I've got it. The Doctor picks up Kate Middleton while she's walking one of the Queen's corgis. <laughs> Perfect. Bam. There you go. The BBC can write me a check now. Uh, the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who is now written. Uh, We're not going to be allowed back in the country of England. Thanks Stephen Moffat, you can send us the royalty check. Uh, just Google Dylan. Yeah. Okay, so that is that is our Doctor Who episode. Thanks, everyone. Annie will be back next time. Annie remembers Sorry. all of our information about how to Twitter us. We're Boy Howdy Podcast at Twitter. We have an email address I can't remember. <laughs> The outro music for this week was supplied by Halia Megweed. What the, what's wrong with you? Wait, hold on. This is a real thing. You guys covered for me while I look it up. No, there's this great lady who does Doctor Who uh, uh, music, yeah. like fan music, yeah. but it's great. She just changed her stage name. It used to be yeah. Halia Megweed. Yeah, Halia Megweed. I'll put a link up in the show notes, but I love her stuff. Yeah, it's just the lady who sings really good with a guitar. A lady who sings really good with a guitar. Yes. Nothing can be better than that. Nope. A thousand coffee shops can't be wrong. <laughs> wow. Okay, we'll see you guys next week. We may be doing Pinocchio next week. Uh, Dylan will not be part of it because she hates Pinocchio. I she, do, it's creepy. You hate little wooden boys. No, I do. Yeah, I don't blame you. Oh, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Okay. <laughs> good luck, though. Good night. <laughs> Quiet came The cracks came out to play.